So this, ah, what's there goes the frequency. You know when you get that in your he hearing sometimes? Oh, okay. That's, what, that's, that's you losing a frequency. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> At least that's what I've been told. All right. I don't know if it's true. We should talk about it on here. I hope you have a beginning for this show because I have no, nothing. I got nothing. Hi, everyone. My name is David Dedrick, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. And I'm Ian Boothby, and welcome to Hot Boxing with Ian and Dave. Where <laughs> Hot we, Boxing. Uh, get into a very small room, we turn yep. on a space heater, okay. and we stay warm. Oh. Which is very unlike, if you've listened to past shows, like from about uh, more than a year ago, yeah. uh, we were always cold in the wintertime, and we're always <laughs> incredibly hot in the summertime. In the bleak midwinter. Yeah, because that was back in the days where I, I used to have an office, and my office uh, had people that did not care about... <laughs> It running the building, and so uh, and so yeah, it would be absolutely freezing in the uh, in the winter time, and uh, we would be bundled up. I would usually be wearing about three Halloween costumes that I would uh, <laughs> that I would have there, like just like big big That's fluffy right. Halloween costumes, and maybe like a couple of puppets. I would yep. also like put on my lap just to warm sure. up. Yeah, you had the heads piled on top of each other on top of your head. I remember that. Those were the days. But the problem, you know, the thing is, is when your landlord starts to care. That's when the rent goes up. Well, this is actually it's a double-edged sword, as this, they say. This this is actually what did happen when, as, as soon as we left, the rent doubled. Mm. But the okay, and this is this is just hot gossip. Okay, between you and me, sure. And because um, here's let me t just tell yep. you what was happening uh, yesterday. Yesterday, and again, I'm not a person that believes in you know or anything. <laughs> but um, I woke up yesterday, and uh, and and I had this feeling of like I really should go to the eighth dimension comic store and that's the comic store that was underneath the old yeah, office and yeah. i was like ah, why I, just go says my brain and i'm like well, well what I, a long I, journey and my brain also goes you can get some comics when you shut up i'm like <laughs> okay brain so i go yeah. and i'm like it's fine i go and say hi to the fellow who works there nick and we get some comics yeah. they're fine and i'm like leaving and then i hear a bang 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 I'm like, well, what's this all about? I say, and as I turn, and um, and uh, and standing in the doorway of the pool hall is uh, Gene. Now, Gene used to be the, uh, sure, the uh, building, building manager. Building He's caretaker. not the person who would be in charge of the rent or what mm -hmm, have you. Mm -hmm. uh, He's kind of the caretaker. He would fix the things that were needed fixing. That's correct. And sometimes wouldn't fix them. Uh, he, yeah, he would if he could. Like yeah. he was really a guy who would actually give a damn and try. Yeah. Would kind of go above and beyond. Sure, but he would have no money to do anything because mm. the people who ran the building. So, um, but he was. And, and the other thing was like he used to be like next door. And when P and I were working late at night, he would often like come over with like some fruit or smoothies, or he'd bring us something, or he'd, it's just he would just do something nice. What a swell guy! Yeah, he's just a really swell guy. Uh, and he was having uh, some heart issues about three years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, ended up going to uh, going to the hospital, and uh, ended up losing his legs. Mm. And so, you know, I saw him a little bit after that. You know, where he's in a wheelchair and yeah. he's very gaunt, and uh, and you know, it's, it's it's a drag seeing someone who was so active, like he was always on the roof. He was always doing just stuff. He had like beehives on the roof. Sure. Uh, very active fella. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's a drag. And of course he couldn't be like running the building anymore. And the building really went downhill after he went. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was, I was, I, I was like walking, walking down the street and he's banging on the, on the window and I'm like, turn around and he's standing Whoa. and he's standing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> 
And I'm so glad to see him. Yeah. Go inside. And, and like I'd heard uh, just before from Nick that like, oh, yeah, he's working. He's on crutches now. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But he wasn't on crutches. Oh. He had two artificial legs. Yeah. But he wasn't on crutches. His crutch was still at a table. You know, and he had seen me and he said, yeah, I saw you. So I ran to, for the door. And I was like, ran for the door? <laughs> What do you mean, run for the door? Anyway, so wow. uh, he, he filled me in on, on his story and how he's doing. But long story yeah. short and, you know, keeping his personal business personal. Uh, yeah, he's he's up and about and he's like back to like running the building again. He's next oh. he's next door to the office. Oh, wow. So things are kind of like getting getting their uh, self in order. But yeah, uh, the people who own the building yeah. uh, were, uh, were pulling a little bit of shenanigans and were doubling the rent on everybody. And so... Uh, everyone was getting furious and it was all bad, but, but they're trying to put a stop to that now. Yeah. So, so yeah, we kind of got out at the right time. Sure. Uh, but I was really glad. That was one of the reasons when we were leaving that I was like, well, I, I'm not super sad to be leaving the building because Gene's, Gene's gone and Gene was kind of the heart of the building. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to get. Let's just say Gene was so popular. They named the coffee shop in the building after him. That's right. If you go, if you go to the wedge building at basically, uh, Kingsway and uh, Maine. and Maine. Uh, and you'll Broadway. see Jean, the Gene uh, Coffee Shop, which yeah. is you know go there if you want. Okay, coffee. There's better coffee place, but Gene is great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was uh, the heart of the building's gone, but he's back. Mm. So so that was uh, really swell. Yeah, uh, and it was like cool. ah, was this the reason I was I was thinking yes. I should go? And I'm like I don't know, maybe maybe not, but let you know attach a narrative to things. You know if if you want, it was uh, but it was really really swell. To Why see not? It. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm glad that he's doing well. He was always a very, very friendly fellow. Mm-hmm. And he certainly appreciated that episode where David yelled uh, five golden rings <laughs> over and over again at great volume and then in the hallway. Well, here's the thing. I think <laughs> I think he was not... Okay. When there's someone yelling in the hallway, <laughs> well, yes. it is usually someone who is an enjoyer of drugs. Yes. or And, and possibly will... It spells trouble. ...be soon smashing windows yeah. and or, and this really happened digging his way through the walls to get into the offices. Uh. There, there was a guy, and that was his, uh, that was his uh, big scheme to break into the office, was yeah. basically cr- scrape. <laughs> scrape his way through a wall. Yeah. Uh, which you could do. I guess it's just drywall. It's just drywall. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was like this little mole man that was trying to make <laughs> his way through. So... Gene's got the protective spirit. It's basically, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, someone's dad mm-hmm. and then someone's in the basement. Just I'm not, I'm stuff. not blaming Gene for, for being but, concerned. But, but Gene is also a party guy. Yeah. So if he was told later as he was that he's a rock and roller. Yeah. And he was doing some rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, then I think he's, uh, he's, uh, he's on board. He would have been fine. Yeah. And I think him yeah. and David would get along fine. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Oh, that's good. Now, speaking of David, yeah, um, has he he's been uh, making uh, guest appearances uh, not just on uh, our podcast, like he was here for our four hundredth episode, which was great, but uh, on a podcast that you do as well. Is this not true? That's true. We got together for a Christmas episode with David. We did some. Uh, it's not Christmas yet, Dave. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. Shit, is it Christmas right now? Yeah. One second, let me just ask. Boy, <laughs> boy, what? Oh, you're you're a girl. <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't tell from up. I don't want to make this a thing. Forget it. Fuck it. I don't. I don't even want to know. I'm good. No, nothing. Wow, I got awkward. No, it's really fun. Oof. Okay. Do they have that goose in the? What do you mean it was a turkey? <laughs> oh God, are we doing this again? I don't know what it was. Get me that goose game. Get me that goose game that everyone's playing. All right. Good. 
Here's a shilling. I don't know how much it's fucking worth. I got to get back to the podcast. Okay, Dave? Yes. Whatever. Keep Did you figure it out? I don't know. I yeah. don't even want to get into this. Well, it's... I will say, let me untitled goose game later. Let me say it. Let me put it this way. It's the Christmas season. And okay. so to celebrate... Is it the reason for the season? It's a reason for the season. It's a reason for the sneezing. It's a, the season is a reason for the sneezing. Okay. That's pleasing. Because <sighs> it's unsneezable weather. Wait, what? And... So David came on to uh, play some Christmas music because, you know what, I'll be honest with you guys, I think Christmas music is okay. Like, I have some fond favorites. It's no Halloween music, let's admit that. <laughs> it's, there's, there's some good Halloween songs. Name if you want, three. If you want. Name three. Oh, I, I'd have to go back and look at my Name thing. two. Uh, something with, with Drac. It's like dinner with Drac or something like that. Okay, there was a lot. Everyone's you, favorite. You would be dinner surprised. I know. Yep, that's I know right. because none of them are that great. Uh huh. Well, what did you just say? You said there were some great ones. I said there's some other ones. Maybe mm, I meant wait, to say there were other. There were some <laughs> other ones, eh? I said All there's right. some okay ones or something. Uh-huh. Like that. I don't know what I said exactly. Maybe I was a little too uh, forceful. Dinner with Drac. Okay, I think that's what it was called. No, you're right. Dinner with Drac from 1958. Everyone's favorite song. That's well, right. I just you know because the, it's Halloween is is not the same as Christmas. Like there's no. No one really has like it, there's no there's not like a build up to Chris, to Halloween right the may, way there is to Christmas. May I read some of Dinner with Dracula? You sure can. All right. A dinner was served for three at Dracula's house by the sea. The hors d'oeuvres were fine, but I choked on my wine when I learned the main course was me. There you go. It's <laughs> a pretty good start to a song. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Good King Wenches, um, except Good King Wenches is a cannibal. <laughs> you know what? Next year I'm going to bring in I'll bring in a top five Halloween songs. How's that sound for next year? Next season. The next lyrics. Okay. The waitress of vampire named Perkins was so very fond of small gherkins. (laughs) While serving tea, she ate 43, which pickled her internal workings. Hmm. Okay. So it sounds like a limerick. I got a couple of fucking issues. It's more of a limerick. I got a couple of fucking issues with that. One, yes, it's it's a straight out limerick. Yeah. It's not a song. It's It's a limerick. It's not a song. It's a limerick. That's right. And there's a reason we don't have all your favorite limerick songs. (laughs) Yes. So she's a vampire. Yeah. But she likes likes gherkins. Yeah, she likes eating pickles. Mm -hmm. Well, no. You can't eat food if you're a vampire. I think the most outrageous part of it is that her name is Perkins. Yeah, that's the other thing. Perkins? Yeah. Like, why waitress? Why not, like, a butler or a waiter? Yeah. Like, the waiter named Perkins. Oh, that sounds like an uh, old-timey... A servant named Perkins. Perkins. And he would eat gherkins. I know. And again, you're just... You're just rhyming the food with a made-up name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So working backwards here. Okay, wait a minute. I got to keep going. Okay, so Igor, the scalpels go on the left with the pitchforks. Igor, Igor. All right, that's I guess uh, a line. That's its own thing. We've, we're now not yeah. doing uh, you know limerick anymore. He had another servant named Gordon. Oh, have you got one? Whose blue was his favorite cordon? Cordon bleu. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> just, All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of stupid words. What a swimmer is names. Dracula's daughter. Okay. But her pool looks more red than it otter. Oh. The blood stains the boats, but it's easy to float because blood is much thicker than water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some issues here. Sure. Once again. One. Yeah. She's a swimmer. Yeah. All right. She likes swimming. Sure. At night. That's why. Okay. Well, here's the thing about. They're not allergic to water, Ian. Yes, they are. Vampires cannot. To wa- holy water. Not no, to water. No, no. Vampires can't go in water? Uh, vampires can't go into uh, moving water. 
They can go in still water, so maybe why? a pool is okay. Why can't they go in moving water? They can't go into. They can't cross moving water. That's a thing. Like uh, I never even heard of that in my life. Yeah, I, I can look that up for you in a second. No, you don't have to look it up. We don't need to the rules right. of vampires. But it's, tr- but it's true. Where they cannot okay. cross moving water. They can't cross. All right, let me water. give you an example of that. Uh, do you remember the old Swamp Thing comic written by Alan Moore, where it was a, a, a whole bunch of vampires that were living under the water? Uh, there's a there's a great scene where like they're uh, like just like biting people and pulling them down, and then Swamp Thing yeah. uh, starts a little water flow, and because it's moving water and vampires can't survive in moving water, it dissolves them all hmm. because that's the thing. It's basically like a vampire. If you if you're on the other side of a river, a vampire can't cross it, yeah, because it can't stand moving water. Okay, but this is a pool, yeah. So the pool is red. So the pool is full of blood, yeah. And the blood stains the boats. What boats are we talking about that are in a swimming pool? Does she have toy boats? Maybe they're toy boats, yeah. She's, she's, she's playing with toy boats in the swimming yeah. pool. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. But it is easy to you float. Seem, because you, you it's, seem, it's, 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 it a, is. it's a pool full of blood. Yeah, very, very salty. It doesn't sound like a... Like, Dracula seems to me to be the only one who's actually eating people in this. <laughs> Another guy's eating pickles. It's yeah. almost like swimming in a blood pool. Yeah. I don't know. And then there's an instrumental interlude, and the song continues. Yes. All right. I have heard the song. I'm sure you have. You mentioned it. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you didn't just pull that out of I was, nowhere. It's just hard to think of, like, I think you're right. When I said, I must have said, there's lots of great Halloween songs. <sighs> there's probably about, not a lot of great Easter ones. Easter song? Easter songs. There's, there's Easter Peter, bonnet. Peter, Peter Cottontail. Easter Here bonnet. Here comes Peter Cottontail. Hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hopping a um, happy Easter day. And I mean, end. there are Easter songs, but they're not. I mean, most. I think. I think more than. Hmm. I call "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life" an Easter song because it takes place at a crucifixion. <laughs> I guess there you go. That's an Easter song. But yeah, I was going to say most. I think most Easter songs are very religious because I think it's a more religious holiday than Christmas is. Yeah, there's not a lot of songs about rabbits or eggs. Nope. Nope. Also, or why egg- they're together. Yeah, we don't really have that. But Christmas. That's. I mean, I've always thought like. If you want to make some money as a as a songwriter, yeah, write a Christmas song. Get on, no, not a, well. Christmas is okay, but like, get on the, the money Easter is. and get on the <laughs> Halloween bandwagon because there's so much room there, and people are hmm. looking for it. And uh, I don't think and, people are looking for it. I think that's why Monster Mash is, has become kind of a standard go to. Is that it's just become like it's just that no one wants anything else. So there has to be one song that people are, are will play. And that has become the one song by default. Like you could write like there are like seriously, I have like uh at least six like C D compilations of Halloween songs. And I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. And I doubt anyone else knows them. Yeah. And I could like bring you like a, a list of titles if you want, but it's just you know, it's novelty music, but it's not it's it's not an appealing like Christmas novelty music can be silly, but it can also be like Christmas music can also be very touching. It's a sure. it's a touching time of the year. It can be a depressing time of year. There's like a lot of emotional elements to Christmas that I think are missing from Halloween. Halloween is just about scariness, and so those songs are like you know like the ne plus ultra of like novelty songs, and they just kind of go their own way. When when they're done, you know they're just kind of done. There's no no one's like dredging up novelty song like Halloween novelty songs from the fifties and stuff like that. But I'm sure there are some. That you could think of if you just kind of went, well, what about such and such? What are you looking at? I'm looking at the lyrics for Monster Mash, and I don't recognize a lot of them. Hmm. Yeah, once again, because we don't never probably never hear the whole song. We just hear it like quoted, like like used for bumper music on the radio. Yeah, here, I'm going fi- to leave a I'm going to leave a lyric open, and you tell me if you know what how it goes. Okay. 
The scene was rockin', all were diggin' the sounds. Igor, Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. <laughs> the coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group. What was the vocal group? The something five? Yes. They would have been the... That's pretty good, because it's arrive, so five. Yes, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, the... It's going to be a monster, right? Mm, no, no, not really. But it's people that... It's people... Probably they are monsters with what they are doing. It is, a, it, is a, it is an activity that they are doing in it. They're the something, something five. Okay, what are they? And it describes the activity. The Crypt Kicker five. Oh, okay, okay. Does huh. that... Okay, now... Well, as once a, again, as a music I don't think... Fan, yeah. well. <laughs> what's, that a, what's that a parody of? The Crypt Kicker five. That's, that must be like something. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's like a reference to anything in particular. I think it's just a reference to like band names from that time period. I think it's... Like I say, I think Monster Mash is once, you know, like, we hear it, but we don't know it. Like, no one, like, do you ever, like, at this time of the year, do you have, like, Christmas songs you like to hear? And they play are the ones you sing to yourself sometimes? I think some people do, but I doubt there's many people who walk around, like, humming the Monster Mash or singing the Monster Mash <laughs> themselves. Because it's just, like I say, it's just a song that's, that's you know, it's, like, it becomes symbolic of the time of year at Halloween. It feels like it's but the it's, only song. And it's weird yeah. to have a holiday that has one song. and like no Because one no one else. cares about it. No one cares about it. There's no Halloween music, though. It's just there for bumping music for radio stations to play before right. the DJs start talking. Right. But that's that's a hole that should be filled. Like, you, you go, like, listen, Halloween's gotten bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger every year. And to the past but it's not going to have the like, longevity. in Europe they do it. Yeah. And it's new in Europe. Yeah. So it's like, look, Jack, have you got, <laughs> like, a song about a vampire? Yeah. Make one up, and yeah. uh, you people know, just want candy. It's, it's, it's uh, worth a yeah. A sing about candy. People then. just want candy. You know, the, I want candy would actually I work as candy. yeah. That works as a Halloween song. <laughs> You're losing your microphone a little tiny bit there. Oh. So just uh, just a word you know. to the wise. I'm just saying, guys, it's it's out there. There's a there's a there's money to be like if you can if made. you can write a hit Christmas song, which everyone tries to do, like every year. There's more. That's the problem. It's a glut of entries. those. It's but not that it's for Easter. There's never enough. Because there's, you could always have a new Christmas song that people love, you know, like that Mariah Carey one. That's pretty new. I mean, it's not new now, but it's in terms of like the history of Christmas songs. That Mariah Carey one is pretty new. And All it is, I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, and it's a standard. It is now, right? Because they, yeah, they you know, it. here's and I, that's and that's money in that person's that that fifteen team set of writers who yeah. you know who wrote that song. That is money in their pocket, guaranteed money in their pocket every year it's, to get uh, it. It's golden. You know, yeah. the guy who wrote. Dinner with Drac got one season of novelty out of that song and fucking in the why dumpster is that after not that. Playing? Because no one cares about Chris or about Halloween music. So but there's just Monster one Mash song play? because they need one song for radio to play that indicates that it's Halloween. How and that is, is the one people chose. Like in the seventies, yeah. where they were doing goofy greats yeah. and all these compilation albums. Yeah. How how and Santa Jaws. What how the <laughs> fuck did this not get put on with Monster Mash in like, you know, all the hits of Halloween, and the and there you go. Why? How did that never happen? No one wants it. It's not that no one wants it. So they do, but they all they've got is Monster Mash. Who wants to hear Monster Mash? No one. But it's playing. Everyone constantly. does. Apparently, no, everyone does. No, they don't. No one yeah. hears Monster Mash and goes, "Yes, Monster <laughs> Mash." No one calls up and goes, "Hey, could you play Monster Mash?" I bet no they. One. I bet they do. No, it's the only song. That's they I no bet option. they do. No, no, it's there's more songs. This is that's the song that became the song. Okay. It became the Halloween song. All right. 
I, uh, I, I, I wanted to go over, uh, something, uh, Christmas song thing with you. Anything else about, like, so, so, but you had David, uh, David M on yep. your show. And he's going to come on one more time for part That's two. That's what I was going to ask. Is like yeah. at the end of it or is, uh, nope. there's more have, to be had? We're going to have one more episode and to fill up the, uh, December with lots of, uh, Sneaky Dragon Christmas party. So I yeah. like it. Bring your eggnog. And you know what? Why not, uh, why not dance? If you want. Prepare to do a little dancing. There might be a couple of songs that could, could dance. Yeah, why not? I wish I could tell people what we're going to do, but I can't. No, you can't. Secret. You'll you'll find out. Secret and secret. I know, but you you can't. Um, you know the song "Last Christmas." Last Christmas. Who wrote that song? Uh, Wham. I don't know that song. song. Last Christmas. Oh, it's become a movie though. I it's everything's a movie, but it's the song <laughs> "Last Christmas." I gave you my heart. The very okay. next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears. I'll give it to someone special. Uh, it's the it's the lyric that everyone knows. Okay, I don't uh, know it. I've never th- heard the song, but I anyway. was thinking about this, and I just wanted to kind of get into it with you, just real quick. First of all, this is someone who um, it's you, you sound like you're supposed to feel sorry for this person. Okay, because like, oh, last Christmas they gave someone their heart, yep. and the very next day they gave it away. First of all, yeah, here's the problem. First of all, so they gave the person gave their heart away. Yeah, found true love. Or, or like you know, affection for another person. Their, yeah, their yeah. partner found. They thought they found true love. They the the, the narrator found yeah, that, yeah. but the partner mm-hmm. thought they found true love the next day on Boxing Day. And mm. I don't buy that. First of all, everyone's too Loki. You're Loki. <laughs> you're tired. I don't think so. You're where a, are you? Where are you finding true you're love at a party. on Boxing Day? You could at be a at a party. Sale. Where'd you yeah. go? Did, where'd you go to A and B Sound? Does that still exist? I don't know. And get, <laughs> where do you go? Like to exist. the brick? Where are you going? Where are you finding true love? There, okay. But the other problem... Yeah, not everyone lives your insular life. Who finds true love on Boxing Day? They're at a Boxing Day party. No one. They're at a Boxing Day party. You're tired. Boxing Day party. Who has a Boxing Day party? You do. Yeah, our family Yeah, with your family members. Yeah. Yeah, weirdos. What are you finding, like, true love at a a, a family You never know who you're going to meet at. What are you, Rudy Giuliani? You never know. What are you, some kind of... Woody Allen? What are you? You don't know Woody Allen. I know. That's a cheap joke, and I disagree with it. But... But it's uh, it was there and it's it's there for them. I'm trying to think like who's a good incest joke. Um, but here's my bigger problem. Uh, this is the narrator who we're supposed to have empathy for, yeah, or at least connect with. Sure. This this sack of garbage. Here's what they did. <laughs> okay. They decided to tell yeah. someone. Yeah. I love you. Sure. I love you. I want to let you know I love yeah. you. Yeah. And they said it on Christmas. Was it Christmas itself, or was it? During the Christmas season, last Christmas, yeah, I gave you my heart. I don't. So but Christmas t- is more than just a day. All right. Well, now you're interpreting. I'm well, taking. You're I'm interpreting taking the too. Word. You're I'm in- taking the word <laughs> of wham. I'm taking the literal word of. I wham. I am taking the literal word as well. Okay, but let's even go. It's Christmas season. Sure. And and you go like I'm going to tell this person that yeah. I'm in love with. Yeah. That I love them, and I'm going to put right. them on the they, spot. They met him at an office party and make them. Reply back. They couldn't believe they me. They couldn't believe how nice this person's butt was when they photocopied it. Exactly. They fell fell in love right away. I love you. You say during Christmas season. Yeah. Now this other poor bastard. Yeah. They don't want to ruin Christmas. They don't want to ruin no, no. the holiday. Well, he's so prob- they've got it. What are they going to do? They break up right before Christmas. They bought the presents. They're probably going over to the person's house. Who's what person? Well, they're in a relationship. So they're in a relationship. Yeah, but they haven't like said I love you clearly. Uh, oh, okay. Because this is like I'm giving you my heart on Christmas. Oh, okay. So they do it, 
Because like, what are you gonna do? We're so gonna the ruin other person, Christmas? other person is a bit of a dog. We're gonna ruin who? The other person isn't a dog. The other person is like, well, they're backed in a, up against. They're the in a wall relationship. They're in a relationship. Told like, oh, I love you. Yeah. Not at Christmas. Like, deal with that shit later or before. Give me some clear time where I can like make other plans. I'm yeah. gonna ruin Christmas by telling you I got mild feelings for you, or I don't want to say I love you yet. It's just like, ugh. So they clearly have to go like, all right, I love you too. We're gonna deal with this later. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and so I think it's like the narrator is so the one you, who's really to blame. I mean, you're probably right. So you're, you're saying. Thank you, you. I appreciate it. You don't that. think anyone should like to uh, propose to someone at, at Christmas no! time? No. Oh, no. It's basically like the equivalent, holiday equivalent of proposing to someone on stage. Oh, what a. Oh, well, okay. Well, we can get into that. That's a side <laughs> thing. But here's the problem. <laughs> no, it's about the same thing. Because you've got the person in a, in a trap, basically. Yeah. And you're taking advantage of the trap. To propose to them. Right. Whether or, it's on stage or at a sporting event. Or at a wedding. Or at a, at a wedding, yeah. Or at, like any kind of event, basically. And Christmas is an event. Or at a kiss cam, yeah. Yeah, or at a kiss concert. Yeah. Any kind of event, you you uh, you take advantage of this person, you trap them, basically. Yeah. And propose to them. And what can they do? That is bad enough. Unless they've got all the gall in the world just Correct. to go like, no. Yeah, I had to make sure that everything was on board before I did that. Um, oh, is that right? So you proposed on Christmas? No, I didn't. I proposed just before we got married. Uh, what? We can get, well get. I'll, Wait, you already uh, put, pay, a you... It, put a pin in it. Put a pin. Put a pin in it. <laughs> the uh, the problem with proposing on Christmas, though, yeah, is like one of two things is going to happen. One, they're going to say yes, in which case you've now ruined Christmas. Because Christmas is always going to be associated with the time that you like. So, so yeah, the proposal yeah. day is not a special day. No. Two, they say no. Well, you fucked up Christmas for years. Sure. So Christmas is now a tragic well, you're, day. You're busy. Nice and, job, asshole. Yeah, you're right. You're busy enough at Christmas. You don't need this. You don't want to be worrying about no trying to find right a state of like, mind. Who wants to give a engagement present a week before Christmas? No one. Exactly. It's like people have poor suckers having their Christmas point or birthday around Christmas. Point made. So anyway, yeah. my my proposal thing was that song ever. stinks. I'm glad I'd never listened to it or yeah, heard it or even knew it existed until this moment. Don't look up what Wham again it is then. <laughs> um, but those of you who are out there, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you do. Okay, good. Whamageddon? Uh, is that, is that wham, a wedding? Is that a wham-based wedding? Whamageddon. Oh, Whamageddon. You don't want to know. What am I getting? Trust me. No, Whamageddon. You don't want to know what this is. Okay. If you look it up, you, look going, it, you know what? Ask your daughter. I've already forgotten. Ask your daughters. <laughs> um, so here's, here's what I did with the proposals. Like, um, we had like. So you've, when, ar- you've already booked your tickets for Hawaii. No, we're already there. You've, oh, you're in Hawaii. Yeah, we're in there. Like, so we're getting married the next day. But you haven't proposed yet. Okay. How did you how did you know to make these plans? Do you think this seems gonna, like a trap? Right. Do you think that I'm going to tell you right now, or do you think like I, you, you've caught me in something? And I'm like, oh this, my gosh, I'm not really married. This Whoops. feels this feels like what you got a surprise. Doesn't this feel like Ian put P in the trap, everyone? Here's what it is. Okay. Um. So we're so you lured how, her to Hawaii. How the how the how I asked my wife to marry me was. Yeah. Uh, this was uh this was before same sex marriage was was uh was legal in Canada and there was an argument that she was having online and we had talked about like whether we were going to get married or not and our feelings were it's just a it's a piece of paper it's a ceremony we know how we feel we don't need to have the hubris of announcing it to the world mm-hmm. it is you know there's no there's no need to actually like say it to the, to, to to someone else this is fine and that was basically our agreement and we'd been together for years and so she was having this debate online and it was about same sex marriage and someone was uh, someone was saying well what's the big deal why can't they just live together it's the same thing the word marriage doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and she was like, no, it does. It does mean ma- something in society and around. Yeah. It, it has it has meaning. The word has meaning. 
you know, and, uh, and, and, and this. And she was saying that to me. And then I was like, oh. And then so I walked up to her and I, and I said, uh, so we should get married then, right? And she was like, what? And, and, and that took her a little bit off guard. And I went like, it's no pressure on, uh, on you on this. But like, yeah, do you, do you want to get married? And uh, she's like, ask me later. I don't, <laughs> I'm not, what? And so later that night, we're, we're in bed. And she, she turns to me and goes, of course I want to marry you. Yes, yes. But listen, you got to propose better than that before we get married. Huh. Uh, and I'm like, because uh, I want to have like a good proposal. And they're like, yeah, no, that's fair. So as we get closer to the wedding in Hawaii, pressure's on, Jack. Because how do you surprise someone who uh, knows it's coming? So finally, like it's like we're a day before uh, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get married, and we're we're in Hawaii, and and I'm uh, and we have our wedding bands, like we have the the wedding bands, and uh, and she's wearing them as like an engagement, uh, whatever engagement style, however you do that. And I was like, oh on man, her t- on her toes. And uh, and I was and so we're walking past a thing called the Duke's statue, which is the statue they have. Duke's of in, Hazard? No, not at all. Uh, in in Hawaii, he's a surfer. He's a really cool guy. But there's also a camera that's on him that like broadcasts a web uh, thing all over the world. And so I'm, we're walking, and we're walking with uh, with our sisters, my sister-in-law Vicky, and my sister Dale, <laughs> and 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 Pia. And I I don't know how I'm able to like con her into this, but I say she's like. Yeah, my uh, my ring's feeling weird. It's like, uh, do you feel? It just feels like, especially hot. Could I just feel your ring? Could you just give me your ring for a second? And so she goes, "What? Yeah, okay." And so she hands me a ring, and then I get on my knee and I just go and I do a little speech, which is my our business. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I and I uh, offer her the ring, and she's like, "Oh shit!" And at that point, like both um, uh, Dale and Vicky have turned and they realize what's going on, and they both burst into tears. And now people <laughs> around are getting what's going on as well. Yeah. And uh, and Pia kind of starts to tear up too and says, "Yes, of course." And I put the ring on her finger. And uh, what I hadn't realized, yeah, was the camera was on. And so I actually did propose to her in front of like thousands of people huh. because the live webcam was going on. But we did that like the day before we got married. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And we did it in the sand. The little sandy was very sweet. And so every time I walk by there, I'll, I know that like, yeah, this is where we actually did the, the proper proposal. Nice. Ta-da. That's my story. That's really nice. Thanks. Huh. So when Lisa and I, when we proposed. I don't want to hear this shit. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyway. Um, you go so on about your Halloween Christmas, music. Uh, no, tell me what what happened. <laughs> well, now that you now that you've done that, it kind of spoils my story. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because we were driving through the Fraser Canyon in the winter time in my old car, my old Charger, and I was going a little too fast, and we hit a curve, and I started sliding mm. towards the railing, and uh, of course, your life's flashing before your eyes. And I turned to Lisa and I said, "You know, there's one thing I regret is that we didn't get married, like." obviously this is a terrible moment so i'm going to propose to you now and if we live through this we'll get married and so i started proposing and then the car hit the thing and it went through and we started falling you know through the air and uh, so i proposed to her then and then uh then we died <laughs> and that's the song that's last the st- kiss <laughs> let's listen to it now on the other halloween party the other halloween yeah that's another one isn't it there's um there's that song I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like a story of, um, it's like by Nervous Norvis or something like that, a song about like a, a, his girlfriend having a crash or something like that and losing her head or something. That's a good Halloween what? song. That's a good Halloween song right Heads there. Heads up on Halloween. Heads up on Halloween. 
Yeah, it's part of the gruesome uh, death songs that were going around in the early 60s. Have you... Uh, tell Laura I love her. Tell, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those sort of things like that. Right. Yeah. Remember when love meant never having to say you're sorry? That's dumb. Do you, do you remember that in the newspaper? No. Those little two little naked people? And oh, oh you're talking yeah. love is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the new That's where that came from, right? Love is never is having it? to say... Oh, I, I thought that's I thought it came from love story. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. But then where do those little characters... I am right. I know But where I'm do those right. little characters come <laughs> from yeah. with the love is blah, blah, blah? Well, let's see. It was a very strange thing. It was kind of like... Um, yeah, you saw you saw their nipples, which was weird. Because <laughs> you weren't really clear like what uh, what age. Okay, yeah. so here's where... Uh, Here's 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 how uh, old they are. Yeah, uh, they're from 1970. Yeah, but like Love Story is from 1972. Yeah, that's right. It's like later, but uh, but that's not what what that was about. So like you know, like a love maybe is maybe he stole it. A love is would be Eric Siegel. So maybe the book is 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 earlier though. What are you going like that for? I'm going to show you one. <laughs> so I got a love is here, and so they're naked, and he's looking at her butt, and this is a real one. And uh, and she's looking coy. <laughs> that and must be a more recent. Do you want to one. read this one out loud? Uh, love is reassuring her you can't see any cellulite. Like what? Yeah, and she's like uh, digging it. <laughs> she's very happy about that. Well, she's never been shy about showing her her nudity before. They're always naked in the in the things. Okay, so here's another one. And the two of them are like giving each other presents. Yeah. And uh, and love is yeah giving without giving in. Huh? What? That's not lo- okay. Yeah. So love is. Wait. Let's just parse this out. Love is. Yeah. Giving. Yeah. Without without, giving without compromise. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's very Ayn Rand. So, <laughs> so you give this person. Yeah. Are you giving? So it's giving. Yeah. But are you like giving? You're not giving in. Yeah. Are you like buying off <laughs> their agreement? Like if I give you this toaster. We can go to the hockey game. Is that here's, what it is? Here's another one. Okay. Love is yep. quietly watching a hummingbird having lunch. Okay. That one I think is good. I don't like the hummingbird having lunch thing. It feels like it feels like they're really reaching by this point in the series. It probably, probably started off great guns for the first year, and then it was downhill after that. And it's just, you know, like newspaper comics are just habit. Yeah. You know? The rest are like being there for each other, a warm and wonderful feeling, letting yeah. your heart rule your head. Yeah. Well, don't let your heart totally well, yeah, roll your head. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, that seems like a disaster. I think I think at that point you're giving in. <laughs> so long, honey. My heart's ruling my head. Yeah. What the hell is the cellulite one? Jeez. <laughs> seems more recent, doesn't it? Yeah. I that just, just that really does. It's, I, probably, it's still probably still printed in five newspapers. Doesn't feel like cellulite was around in the early seventies. No, no. Like that was not an issue. But yeah, it was like uh, it felt like. I wonder if that's a parody. It felt like. When those two were together, Ziggy would be like in a bush, like beating <laughs> off. <laughs> He'd Tom, be the weird perv next Tom door who would just be watching Ziggy. them and just like, oh yeah, that's good stuff. Did you did you know that the guy who created Ziggy, Tom, I think his name was Tom Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. yeah, he was a contemporary of Robert Crumb at American Greetings, com- the card company where Robert Crumb first. Who do you worked. think made more money in the long run? Like, admittedly, one of them is probably still alive, and one isn't. I don't know if Tom Wilson is still alive. Yeah, I don't know, but I would say Tom Wilson probably made more money. Maybe Tom Wilson is still alive. I mean, there's still a Ziggy strip. Is there? Yes, very much so. Wow. Ziggy still exists, absolutely. It's no longer in my newspaper. Well, you know, that's probably for the best. Nope, nope, Tom Wilson passed away in uh, 2011. Hmm. Yeah, sorry He's not the best Tom Wilson. The best Tom Wilson was the producer, Tom Wilson. What did he produce? Uh, Frank Zappa. 
and the Mothers of Invention, the Velvet Underground. He was the one who uh, put um, put Bob Dylan together with a rock band to to get a, make an electric career. He's the one who added a group. He's the one who added backing musicians to uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Sounds of Silence because their first album, uh, Wednesday Morning 3 A.M., was a colossal failure, and the band they had basically kind of broken up. Paul Simon was in England touring, and then Tom Wilson took the song and without their permission just added oh. added a band to it and then they released it as a single and it was a huge hit and suddenly there was a simon and garfunkel so they had to get back together again and, and do an album so there you go but like that song you know homeward bound i'm sitting at a railway station got a ticket for my destination yeah that was written when he was in england oh okay. in between wednesday morning 3 a.m and their next album yeah interesting yeah. okay uh and you're sure it's not the same tom wilson it's not the same tom wilson all right, right. fair enough yeah tom wilson uh was a uh, black man the producer so here's an, an example of a Ziggy strip. Okay. Uh, he would be, he'd be thinking to himself, memories are illustrations from the storybook of our life. Okay. It's pretty funny. You got to admit, that's a good laugh. Wait, say that again. Sorry, what are you sitting and thinking? Memories yeah. are illustrations yeah. from the storybook of our life. Okay. You know what that reminded me Sorry, of? Sorry, my knee's hurting from slapping it too much. <laughs> Ow. Well... Crumb said that. Oh boy! Crumb said that Wilson was totally like he was totally like like maniacally um, driven to create a character who would become popular. He was right. Like that was exactly it was what he on wanted. Lugs, it was so nice. Yeah, and he just devish. wanted he just wanted to be like this sort of aphorism machine that would like so so anodyne that it would only be popular. All right, here's one. Ziggy, it's a, it's a two-parter. It's yeah, not yeah. a one-paneler. Sure, sure. Uh, so Ziggy has got a towel around his waist and he's looking at a scale. Okay. And saying, "I think I ate too much." Okay. Panel number one. Sure, that's panel number one. Panel number two. Yeah. For the past thirty years. <laughs> that's a bit better. Yeah. That's not now, bad. Now on that theme. Yeah. He's looking down at his belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fully dressed at this point. Okay. And he's saying, I just ate six Happy Meals, and I'm still depressed. Really? Yeah, in the next panel, he's killing himself. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Often, the comic strip would not yeah. carry the panel where he's but he killing says, himself. No, he says, no noose is good news. Is that yeah. what he says? That's one thing he people don't himself. know about Ziggy. They okay. think it's a one-panel strip, yeah. but the second panel was always him killing himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> they always cut that one out. Very yeah, wise. they went like, you know what? We don't have, they said yeah. it was because they didn't have room, but I think it was more just like they were worried about people imitating the behavior. Yeah. yeah. You know that, that when you read that first thing that he said, about the memory in the storybook? It was kind of like that, the end of uh, No Country for Old Men, where Tommy Lee Jones is talking to the camera, like sure. telling us a dream. And I did the same thing in that that I did with you, which is I kind of, I kind of zoned out while you were t- telling me, because I assumed there was a next step to it, but there was nothing. It was just that. So I had to go, whoa, wait, what did you say? Here's another one. Okay. Uh, so he's uh, in his uh, slippers. All right. He's looking at us. Yeah. Looking at us. So far, this has been one of my better days. Yeah. Of course, I just woke up. And the next panel, he's killing himself. <laughs> it is infinitely funnier if in the next panel, he's killing himself. Uh, I don't want to tell another comic strip artist how to do his job. Well, he's he's already killed himself. Yeah, this one. Sometimes mm. I think that if I ever lost my mind, yeah. I'd never I'd never miss it. Yeah. And in the next panel, blam. <laughs> Well, I see a Tumblr page for you, sir. All right. You know, without Garfield, you can... Yeah, it is Ziggy. kind of Garfield without Garfield. You can but take like, the, the it's Ziggy. It's Ziggy, uh, Ziggy with suicide. <laughs> huh, interesting. Nice. 
So we're going to be cool and not pretend Dave is checking his phone right now. I'm not checking my phone. I was just turning off the sound. That is absolutely fine. Um, can I tell you my uh, my nerdy fanish theory? Uh, does he has that have have my opinion on as as please go ahead. <laughs> no, no, finish your stroke. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. My, my nights of little sleep are catching up on me. I know. Yeah, you're busy. You're working hard on uh, both your your day job and you've got a night job of coloring uh, sparks. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, how, how's that going? Are you doing okay? Are you getting, uh, are, you, are you on everything all right? How are you doing health-wise? How's it going? Oh, health-wise, I'm pretty good. Okay. I'm not totally feeling the effects yet. It's coming on, but... Uh, all right, are you going to sleep and you're just seeing cats and dogs floating in your head? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm so tired. And I, yellow dogs? I'm t- so tired I'm not dreaming, oh, dreaming, but apparently last night I was, I was doing some actions in my sleep. Oh. According to Lisa. Okay, but not full-on sleepwalking, just like... No, movements. I do sleep, uh behaviors okay actions you've never gotten out of bed no i don't think so okay no that would be terrible it happens no because i just know like the the landscape around my bed it would be really dangerous for me to get out okay there's a lot of books piled around dresser drawers open and things yes sure to be a disaster no i've never got out of bed but i've done lots of things where i'm doing activities in bed okay in my sleep yeah it's a regular thing but let me hear your fanish. Oh, does do you get woke, Do you want to be woken up when that's happening, or just let it no. play out? Yeah, just let it play out. It's fine. Okay. Although you know, the other day I forgot to tell you this, I had a nightmare. And you don't normally have nightmares. No, I don't. Why don't you tell me about that? It's more important. <laughs> I don't remember very well, but it was like this kind of monstrous little monstrous creature was coming out of like the darkness towards me. Okay. And then it was going to like attack me, and then I woke up. But how, how did you feel about normally it? in dreams? Normally, in like I do have sort of nightmare situations in dreams, but normally in those situations, I go, "Oh, this is just a dream; it's no big problem." But in this case, I did. I woke up instead, and so I woke up with like a feeling of fear, like "Ooh!" So it's kind of like, "Oh, that was exciting." It doesn't bother me. I don't. I didn't. Didn't bother me too much. I was having. A, I've been having a lot of stress dreams where I'm working on Saturday Night Live. Um, okay. One of which was I and was being forced the- to take cocaine. Ha. <laughs> uh, I. Th- yeah, I think they don't do that anymore. I think they've learned uh, their lesson after you know. How many people? Three. That's enough of that. Um, the uh, I was I was staying in a very small apartment in uh, New York, and so I opened my fridge, but all the shelves were slanted, so you couldn't put anything on. Oh, it. and then the the crisper at the bottom yeah. was full of water. It was just always like leaking into it, and it was like you could, so you had to dump it out all the time. I was yeah. like, "Well, this is awful." Yeah. And then I went over to use the, the 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 toilet, but you flush the toilet, and it spins so fast, water shoots up out of it. <laughs> So you got to like hold up a towel to like block that. And I was like, oh, this is lousy. And, and so I'm complaining, what a horrible apartment. I'm complaining about this to Pia, yeah. like, you know, and I'm going, look at this. This is the thing. And she goes like, well, that's not real. You're clearly dreaming. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I go back into the kitchen and the fridge is great. And I go back into the bathroom and the toilet looks great. And I go, thanks. I was dreaming. Absolutely. And then I wake up and I'm like, fuck, I was dreaming in my dream. Why didn't you just tell me that? <laughs> the only thing that was frustrating was like I wasn't working on Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, I got some sketch ideas. I'm going to get those out. That's probably my most common uh, dream is uh, working on Saturday Night Live. And over oh, really? time, over time. I've gotten better in the dream at it, where I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. Let's do it. Let's figure something out. <laughs> figure out a sketch. How hard is this? One sketch a week I got to write. Okay, fine. Huh. Sure. Let's do it. It's going to be fine. Wow. That's interesting that you have that dream that often. Yep. I don't. I think it's saying that I got to do more sketch. Mm. Like, really, I, I, and I do know I got to do more sketch, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll definitely need, if you if that's a part of your makeup, you definitely need to keep those muscles active. 
Yeah, I mean... Because eventually you'll stop thinking of sketch ideas because you don't need to. Well, I mean, every week we write New Yorker cartoon ideas. And so I like I usually write up about 30 cartoons. Yeah. Then Pia does up about seven. And then hopefully they pick one. And then some of those we also take and then go, okay, that wasn't good for this, but it's good for Mad. And we take that over and we use Mad. So I do... And I do write joke tweets as well. So, like, I am always thinking of jokes. And usually there's a home forum. But... Uh, yeah, I, we gotta do some sketches. Yeah, we gotta do that for sure. Whether it's live or here in this studio with like the green screen, gotta do, gotta do some stuff along those lines. Yeah. But speaking of people that used to work on Saturday Night Live okay. and my nerdy theory, oh, okay. Um, I watched the trailer, and I know you're not a trailer watcher, but I watched the trailer for the new Ghostbusters. Haven't seen it. Yeah, I saw a little you're bit. Because you're I saw not a little a bit of watcher. it. I saw okay. that it had Finn Wolfhard in it. Yes. And Paul Rudd. I didn't see Paul Rudd in the trailer. Yeah. But I saw Finn Wolfhard and some other people in there. Because like, he's the only kid in the world now. Yeah, apparently. A Canadian kid. Except mm-hmm. um, we, uh, we, we did a little uh, uh, review on Fansplainers. Not review. We don't review on Fansplainers. We just talk about movies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Jojo Rabbit's uh, best friend, I forgot what the actor's name is, uh, he is going to be uh, the kid in the new Home Alone. Oh. Yeah, first of all, shouldn't be doing another Home Alone. Yeah. But since they're doing another Home Alone, I yeah. like that kid, so that's fine. Yeah, okay. But yeah, Finn yeah. Wolfhard, if you've got anything that's in some way supernatural and involves a child, Finn Wolfhard is your guy. <laughs> Let's just use him con- consistently. I think what I saw was them around like a mine shaft, and then there was some green stuff happening, like light, glowing or whatever, and then I turned it off. Yeah, and then uh, Daniel Day-Lewis shows up and goes, I drink your milkshake. I'm oh. like, what's that all about? It's a green milkshake, <laughs> and it's made of ghosts. It's a green milkshake. It's it's a uh, St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, we've talked a you know a little bit about uh, you know the remake of uh, Ghostbusters that you did not care for. The 2016 uh, Ghostbusters. 2016. Yeah. Did not I, care I for liked that movie. more, but I thought there was some some obvious flaws to it. Not great. But to to me, one of the biggest flaws was nothing was grounded. It was all just crazy pants joke 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 on yeah. joke on joke on joke on joke. Yeah. And it feels like with this trailer, they went like. Fuck that. No <laughs> jokes. No jokes. We're taking it all seriously. There isn't a laugh to be had in the thing. In this trailer. In the trailer. Like, yeah. I'm sure there will be. You got Paul Rudd. You're going to have cameos by everybody. I'm sure there's going to be some jokes. Does, that felt does like, it star like the original Ghostbusters minus Harold Ramis? Not star, but oh. they are. They exist in this reality. Uh, they've been gone for 30 years. Oh. And they say, they say a weird thing in the trailer, which is uh, Paul Rudd goes, uh, no one's seen a ghost in 30 years. And they're like, well, that's nonsense. <laughs> like, there aren't ghosts in our world. Yeah. And people see ghosts all the time. Yeah. You can't say no one's seen a ghost in 30 years. Sure. That's ridiculous. No like, one's seen a real ghost in 30 years. Exactly. That's what they're saying. But then yeah. how the fuck do you know that? I mean, that's just a weird thing to say. Mm. There's also a side thing, too, that he says that's like, uh, that makes me go, what? No. Which is, uh, he shows like a little clip on TV. Because the kids don't remember, like, 30 years ago in New York, there was this, like, surgence of ghosts. and Because yeah, yeah. ki- kids don't care, uh, which is fair. Uh, but uh, he goes, like, oh, yeah, like, 30 years ago in New York, it was like The Walking Dead. I'm like, all right. So, Walking Dead is a thing. There's a TV show called The Walking Dead about hey. zombies. Yeah, oh. You know, in New York, 30 years ago, there was actual zombies, like, driving taxi cabs and the dead were coming to life. <laughs> yeah. It feels weird that now you would have a fictional show about the dead coming to life when, you know, the dead came to life <laughs> for real back then. Yeah. And there was a giant marshmallow man. It's like, so your scary thing now is that there's zombies? Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is this your theory? No, my theory is oh, this. These are, the si- my, these are side theory. theories. 
Because it did make me think, like, how do you make a new Ghostbusters or what do you do? Yeah. And then I was thinking about what makes what makes the made the original Ghostbusters work and what was the flaw of the original Ghostbusters? First of all, there's yeah. no women in it. Uh, but that the was... The first a, Ghostbusters? Yeah. Oh, you mean, like, in the team? Basically, yeah. You had, okay. like, uh, Janine, and she was the receptionist. Yeah. And she was, you know, kind of the cranky type. Yeah, yeah. And then you had, uh, you had the love interest, and then you Spinning had Blowjob Weaver. Ghost. And that was, that was <laughs> your... And then there was also a girl off the top where where bill murray was trying to trick her into having sex by like saying she's got psychic powers but she didn't so there was yeah. you know that's flaw number one and flaw number flaw number two so you got to have more women clearly in a modern ghostbusters sure and the other flaw was uh, ernie hudson's character shows up out of nowhere yeah. in the middle of the movie for no real reason yeah and doesn't really add anything to things and there we go and then I came up with my nerdy theory, and here's what it is. Wasn't that supposed to be uh, Eddie Murphy's role? It was supposed to be, and he was supposed to improv a whole bunch of his comedy lines. Okay. And so they left it open, and then when, when Ernie Hudson showed up, they cut all the scenes uh, with that and just had him show up where he did. Yeah. It's clearly a flaw in the script. They should have fixed that. Yeah, yeah. Here's how I fix it. Mm-hmm. All right? My theory is, so Ernie Hudson shows up. When there's uh, at peak resurgence of ghosts that are appearing in New York City. Yep. Um, and he's playing Winston Zedmore. Winston Zedmore is a ghost. Winston's, in the original movie? That's what I'm saying. I'm going with this theory. Okay. He shows up exactly when all the ghosts are showing up. Okay. He shows up uh, and uh, and he's you know it's looking for a job. If you're a ghost. So is he a different kind of ghost? Well, here's the thing. There was a whole bunch of different types of ghosts. There was a ghost who was driving a cab who was like a zombie. Yeah. There's like a Slimer type ghost. Sure. Uh, you know, there's also, there's also, the ghost in the library. There's, there's just like, yeah, there's a ghost in the library who will change form. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different types of ghosts. There's a blowjob ghost. There's a blowjob ghost. So, but that's in a dream, but maybe that's a dream ghost. Who knows? So my theory is <laughs> Winston is a ghost yeah. who knows the apocalypse is coming. Okay. Uh, in fact, he does like, talk about it in the, in that's the, the thing. thing. He yeah. has like, he knows all, everything about the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows it's all coming down. If sure. you're a ghost, and you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah. Where do you go? You go to work with the who people you, who, who are, are you going to call. That's right. You go to the Ghostbusters yeah. and you're like, I'm going to be one of them. I'm going <laughs> to okay. learn what the fuck is going on. Okay. And maybe he's even working yeah. to betray them later. Sure. But over the course of everything, yeah. he grows to like, you know, like these guys and actually wants everything to be okay. Yeah. And the, he gets the last line in the movie. And the last sure. line in the movie is, I love this town. So he's gone from being a damned soul that should be in t- in- imprisoned because he's got no backstory. Yeah, he's got he just comes out of nowhere and gets hired. Um, so yeah, that's the only that's the only reason he would be around is like there's something about him we don't know. Hmm. That would be the thing. He was a ghost, uh, and there we go. So my theory is Winston Zedmore is a ghost. There we go. That's my nerdy theory. And that's going to be in the movie. No, I'm just making that up. <laughs> Okay. Of course, it's not going to be in the. Movie. Well, you should always you should always try and get close to you know people that you feel like are a threat to you. That's right. Yeah. That's why I'm, I joined a white supremacist group. Oh, uh, how's that going for you? It's all right. Eh? <laughs> I didn't even. That wasn't even like a setup, but it there just, you are. You gave it to me, so no, I'll take it's it. all fine. You feel nice about it. It's all good. <laughs> I do feel good about it. Here's here's a here's uh-huh. a here's a pop culture thing I do want to ask you about. Oh, okay. Your opinion on. Because Dave, before the show, went, you take this one. I got nothing. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> That's true, I did. <laughs> I saw a little uh, documentary on Frozen uh-huh. 2. A, you saw a documentary on Frozen Mini 2? Mini documentary. Did you see the movie, Frozen 2? Eh, I don't know. You just watched a documentary about a movie yeah, it was just a little thing, and they were talking about how... It was like a featurette? Why, why it took so long, how many years it took. To make the movie? Yes. Because quality takes a long time. Well, here's the thing. 
don't they know. Were, the, they I were saying the like the difference, and they showed the difference between Frozen and Frozen Two. Yeah. And the thing they they showed was they showed Elsa's costume, and she's like the one who's got the freezy powers. Yeah, yeah. And they went like, if you take a close up of her dress, and they went close up, and even closer, close up, and even closer, close up. Yeah. And they show the details and the sparkles and the buttons and everything yeah. on the dress, and like this takes so long to do. And they're oh, showing see. the advances they made, and then they showed the original, and go like, we could never have done this back then. Yeah. And and I appreciate the technology advances and sure, everything sure. goes forward. But when I saw that, I was like, who, who cares? cares? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Does this in any way make this a better? Yeah, show yeah. to have that kind of detail like to me and then it slapped me to like uh in the head to go uh toy story and now toy story 4 yeah toy story 4 technically much better sure look at that detail yeah. look at that cloth yeah look at those hair things back then they couldn't do water properly yeah but i think toy story is a better movie than toy story 4 sure i agree with that right yeah. so like is it worth taking not the- better than toy story 2 though everyone Area. Is it worth <laughs> taking the extra, extra, extra time uh, yeah. to do all the buttons and details and the and you know make the cloth all and every like almost every new technology uh, CGI thing they show you the hair and how the hair is more realistic and again who cares like <laughs> yeah. is this is this more effective in storytelling having all the intricate detail or is that a distraction does like smoothing things out and reducing the amount of detail actually help you in animation to kind of push things forward yeah i i turn to you dave and i ask what do you think oh i would oh agree. david i would agree with you of course but i think that don't you think what's sort of driving animation is is like computer games themselves like they're kind of like the ones who are cr- keep raising the bar of what's what does even that help like the, the no it the doesn't detail on detail on detail yeah, yeah. on detail you know, after like I remember when Gran Turismo came out for like I think the PlayStation Two, and it was like, look at these graphics, and like, yes, <laughs> fine, but like whatever they've done since, what's the what's the difference to me as I'm playing? Like, am I immersed in well, it more with the more? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Like Gran Turismo, like they could put all the details in the world into that game, but it's still boring to play Gran Turismo. Turismo. Okay, or even like a bur- let's go Burnout. Burnout's okay, a very, well, that's a totally different thing. Burnout's I know that's a very fun game. Yeah, but I don't think like if I played the uh, the the more heavily pixelated, yeah. better graphic version of Burnout, the four hour loading one, that w- yeah would be more exciting and interesting. Yeah, than you know one again for the PlayStation Two or what yeah. have you. It's just yeah. yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, people are really enjoying retro games, you know, now and playing the old timey mm-hmm. games, and I don't see them looking at that going like, ugh, they don't have that same repulsion that young people apparently have to black and white movies. It's not like, <laughs> oh, what's this? I mean, to be fair, I can't play uh, an old Atari game. I look at those and they make little to no sense to yeah, me. I can't that's, connect that's those different. dots. No, and it's funny because we you were playing some retro games when I came over last show, and you said these games are really hard. Oh, very, very hard. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, as we've sort of changed how, what games are, I think we've changed what video games are in a big way, right? Like in the past, they were, they're kind of like, act, like these kind of weirdly active puzzles where you had to kind of shoot your way through a, through like a, a maze or a puzzle. Right. And nowadays you just kind of wander around in a hallway and, t- and pick things up, put them in your pocket, and then you have to use them at some point. Well, I think the big picture back in the day was they cost the same as they do now, 60 bucks, basically. Mm. Yeah. So if you're playing Battletoads yeah. and you're like some toads and you're fighting things, and if you can get through that game in an hour, you're mad <laughs> in the old timey days <laughs> yeah, of yeah. spending 60 bucks. Yeah. So you've got to make the game insanely hard so that you will keep playing mm-hmm. you know, over and over again. Whereas now... I feel like you, you spend 60 bucks and you get a week out of it. 
you're gonna go okay fine you know mm-hmm. this was this was a good looking sure. game and i wandered around and i did some stuff and i went back and i yeah you know it's fine yeah but we're, we're used to that but That's i mean okay. if you're wandering around and, and you're just looking at things you want detail in that situation sure. you want like if you're Lots playing the of, new Spider-Man game and you're swinging yeah. around New York, you want to like drop down to the Central Park and yeah. walk around and see the fountains, and it's yeah, it's 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 cool. But even if you're playing like those sort of post-apocalyptic wander around games, you want real you want realism because you part of your experience is the is the environment of the game. Like when you're playing when you're playing Hubert, you weren't thinking about the environment of the game. You're just trying to figure out like how the how the heck get this guy through this thing. But now, like, but now you know it's all about the environment. Mostly, like, like I say, the game is more about wandering around looking for things. Yeah, I played um, Doom. You, you steal a motorcycle and ride that for a bit, and then yeah, I played Doom two the other day. And again, I used to play Doom, so maybe I'm used to it. Uh, but I was like, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm still shooting things. I'm dodging things. And yeah. this, this thing jumped out at me. That's yeah. I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, uh, but the, whereas I remember back in the day, it was like, this is a creepy game. It's like, well, it's not <laughs> creepy at all. But it's exciting. And then I played the new Doom, which is very well done. And it's fine. But I don't feel it's more fun, you know, because I can see every little bit of blood yeah, and, yeah. and this, that, and the yeah. other thing. You know, you've got to. I think there's a certain amount of busy work that happens in these industries where you've got we just got to make it better and we got to make it more be- and better means more detailed yeah. but not necessarily more fun which it feels like that's the thing you should be focusing on yeah like for me my favorite time period for Walt Disney films thinking about animation is like 50s like I really love the look of Sleeping Beauty like I'm not going to argue that's their best movie but I love it's my favorite look movie like I just love the 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 design elements of that film like the 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 briar forest that the knight has to fight his way through mm-hmm. and the look of the dragon the look of um, of maleficent when she becomes a dragon even the look of maleficent with her horn yeah you know i just think it's just a really nicely designed movie and i really like that element of it but it's not it's not nicely designed because it's fancy actually in a way they stripped down a lot of the the previous painterly effects of like pinocchio and snow white sure. for the backgrounds and things they kind of simplified it probably influenced by um upa the you know the people who did Gerald McBoing Boing and stuff like that yep. where that became a very kind of re- very simple kind of style for the fifties I think Disney was influenced by that their animators were influenced by that to I know s- uh, down a I know bit. Nina said she was influenced a bit by that for uh, for Sparks okay yeah yeah and it, yeah because it's a nice simple style and it really it works really effectively and I think the animators probably realized that that they didn't need this sort of ornate Fantasia Snow White look that they could you know do this sort of more Really basic, you know. It's it's not a lot of not a lot of paint in the background, or if there is, it's not really. It doesn't have the same look of like Snow White or Pinocchio, and uh, that's that's my favorite time period. And I I personally prefer like a stripped down look to animation. But uh, yeah, obviously, the people who are the, I think the technology is more exciting to the people who are doing computer animation because it really is technology driven, you know. So as as like server sizes get grow and all that sort of stuff that allows for more memory. Like the fact is, is like like thirty years ago, when that's about when uh around that time when Toy Story came out. About that, yeah, sure. It's about thirty years ago now. Sure. You know, there just wasn't the storage for them to do what they're doing now. There's no there's no possible way they could have done what they're doing now. Like even like the rendering times, like for them to render a scene nineteen ninety five is when it came out. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So for them to render a scene that's funny. So I went and saw that movie after Mary was born, but I know we didn't take Mary to see it. But I do. I did go see Toy Story in the theater. Hmm. Must have got some babysitting. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So 
like so it just feels like it's you know it's it's driven more by it's partly driven by the artistic idea of animation and the, the traditional ideas of animation but oh here's an interesting thing i meant to talk about this a while ago and, I, sure. and we kind of got interrupted and i never got around to it but we'll, well we're not gonna let that happen again let's put a pin in it yeah let's put a pin in it but if like yeah so it feels like there's two kinds of streams in, in computer animation which is one is the traditional you know animation you know story driven blah 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 but then there's also this element of it which is the technology of it which is you know which is all they're also excited by the fact that how much detail they can render and how much you know more computers they have and how much more computers can do and and so yeah there's those two elements but you're right what does it matter like when you're watching it on the screen like you can't see all that detail yeah I want to just see something here for a second. But what I was going to say about... Oh, please do. And then I'll say my nonsense later. Okay, go ahead. No, no, you can say it if you're ready. My, my, my nonsense really quickly is... nonsense. Jurassic Park came out in, in 1993. Yeah. Uh, I think like Jurassic World 2 came out last year, which I think is maybe like... It's either the fifth or the sixth movie in the series. Fallen it's, Kingdom, it's called, actually. Oh, Lord. Uh, I saw it. Um, <laughs> I've the technology it. is infinitely better now. Yes. The, it looks... Infinitely better now. Yeah. Is it as effective as the T-Rex chasing them in the Jeep? Is there any scene close to that <laughs> well, in the modern movies? No. Well, and well, why? Be- because there's a better director, for one thing. So right. The, the skills behind it you were better. You would think, like, you would, yeah. you would think, well, because the limit- it must be better now. Like, because it must the just, limitations. Like, the, I must be, my brain will be fooled yeah. by the better images. They must be. Yeah, yeah. But but no, for some reason like maybe even the simpler look back then, your brain fills in more and uh, it's just it's just much more effective. Yeah, cuz the limitations the same with jaws. Limitations are all are almost always your strength that yeah. turns out, yeah. So it's like jaws, right? What makes yeah. jaws good is the fact that the the stupid mechanized shark didn't work. Like if that movie was full of shots of a mechanized shark, it would not be as good a movie as it is now, like without cuz because yeah, it still they, holds up. Because the technology failed and limited what they could do, the limitations became the the the, the you know the the assets of that film. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Jurassic Park. The fact that you know they like you know if you look at the if you look at like how many actual scenes in that movie are computer animation, there's not that many. Most of the sequence in that film have practical effects. You know, so they had like full size vel- velociraptors. They had a full size T Rex. They had full-sized dinosaurs in the field and stuff like that. So the actors are actually interacting with full-sized, you know, anim- animatronic or puppet dinosaurs that are really effective. You know, even like the dinosaur with Wayne, with, uh, with Wayne, Wayne, whatever the guy, Newman. Wayne from, Knight. Wayne Knight, yeah, is a the practical effect. It's a practical yeah. effect. Puppets, it's not, yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not at all like computer animated. Because computer animation at that time period wasn't that effective. It was okay. Yeah. But working together with practical effects is way better than, and it's still the same now. Like movies that have a combination of CGI and yep. practical effects are infinitely better in terms of how real it feels to us. For instance, The Force Awakens compared to the, uh, prequels yeah when last jedi showed up and and uh, spoilers yoda shows up and yoda's a puppet yeah yeah it's way better there we go yeah. to the point where now you see yoda the little baby yoda in the mandalorian yeah yeah imagine if that was cg who would give a shit <laughs> yeah. who would give a shit about that that, yeah. that little yeah. guy but it's like it's a cute little puppet but when you see people interacting with it yeah and it's an object. And they're not interacting with a, a tennis ball on a stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we'll yeah. add it and post. Yeah, like in the recent one where um, that actress is holding it and interacting with it as a baby, that's way more, effect- way more effective because you are 
you are aware that that is a baby that has to be cared and looked after in a particular way. So it's more vulnerable. And that's... Amy Sedaris, yeah. Yeah, Amy Sedaris, yeah. Um, it's more vulnerable in that situation. You know, and in your mind, it becomes more vulnerable and you're more worried about it. And so that's part of the, the overall kind of tension in the shows is what's going to happen to that baby. And does this dumb guy wearing a suit understand <laughs> that he has a baby? Everyone always keeps, seems to be telling him, you have a baby. You can't just do what you want with it, you know? Yeah. And does he understand it? Just no, he's know. a bounty hunter for hire. Yeah. He's uh, never had these feelings before. That's right. So what was the topic that you wanted to talk about? Well, it's on? something that I thought was really interesting because I was I was uh, watching a uh, YouTube video about editors of, of in animation. And what it was saying was, and it made me really think about, because, you know, it's often a, a sore, sore spot with me with sort of modern CGI movies, how... They don't seem to storyboard them. They don't seem to have an understanding of how to create great set pieces. Not always. Obviously, there's movies like the Marvel films and stuff that have a, seem to have a really good understanding of this stuff. But what I thought was interesting when they're ta- they were talking about editors and animation, the a- editors and animation don't edit the film after it's completed. Mm. They edit the film during production. So they're intricately involved in staging and and story development as from an editor's point of view because it's cheaper to do it then than it is to have it animated and cut out later and so often they'll be there to like suggest cuts and suggest ways to streamline action things that they would be thinking about when when they're you know because when they get like a, a movie when they get movie footage you know they get like this huge amount of footage and then it's their job to like slowly filter that down to the final cut of the film and but they're also thinking about things like like developing the story within their editing. Like, how can I highlight things that you want in your, to be highlighted in your film that I can like do that in editing? You know, it's kind of like, like, um, I guess a famous example of that would be, uh, Annie Hall, where Annie Hall was a completely different film when it was shot than when it was finished editing. Like the editor took Woody Allen's film, Annie Hall, and he created the movie Annie Hall in the editing. Like he took out a lot of the nostalgic, back like flashbacks and stuff like that to and concentrated and i wouldn't you know he didn't like make the movie for woody allen but what he did was he basically he basically focused in on the romance yeah of the film which was probably previously going to be called anhedonia i was i was looking up what the name of that yeah, was yeah yeah the inability to to enjoy yourself or to experience pleasure and so he but he just went okay well the best part of your film is this relationship between you and this in this character between you and Diane Keaton. So what he did was he just cut out all like most of the flashbacks and stuff yeah. like that, that detracted from that mate, that central storyline. And he created the, you know, what we think, what we know as Annie Hall out of what Woody Allen had shot, you know? So that's an example of an editor having a real And then his impact. later movies did like kind of dip into that nostalgia sometimes to their detriment. Yeah. 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 And sometimes, yeah, maybe he got more control over the final cut. Yeah. And maybe took less advice from some someone who an outside person, like an editor, who can look at your footage and say, What you really need is this and this. And also well and, you know, and often when, when an editor gets a movie, that's when the reshoots have to happen because the editor's like, Well, you're missing this. Sure. You know, like we need something that shows like why this is happening and then it goes to this. Like, what's that step? And we need that. So then you have to have reshoots. So like when they're doing the animated films, you know, so the animated, like animated movies go through several stages and none of them are really like sitting down and writing a script per se. Like a lot of the script development as we know it in animated films is storyboarding. So the, so like a, 
like the script itself can just be like particularly like in in TV animation the script itself is basically like a blurb that explains the A's and B's of the storyline from but it might might not even have like dialogue in it it just might be telling you a, a story in a kind of in a kind of one page form mm-hmm. and then that's given to the storyboard artists who then take that information and they begin to c- construct the movie or the story from that right. so they'll They'll put in all the reasons for the A's and B's. They'll start putting in dialogue and stuff like that. And that's slowly worked up over time. And that might involve the writers and the storyboard artists working back and forth together. But now they also bring in the the editor at this point. And I, I just think that for movies nowadays, which are essentially animated films, like superhero movies, are essentially animated movies that have live-action actors as part of the film, kind of like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, yeah. or Mary Poppins, for instance. You know, so you have you know, an incredible amount of animation in a, you know, like in a modern superhero film, probably 60% of the movie is an, is animated. That you're watching, Most of the action sequences are animated. Or detail, yeah, details are little little extra bits are thrown, or, or an actor is de-aged or what have you. Yeah, but, yeah. You, but you look at like, say, Spider-Man Far From Home. So, like the Venice fight in the water, that's entirely animated. Like there's no sequence in there where Tom Holland in a Spider-Man costume is Tom Holland. It's just an animated Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The same thing in the... What are you smiling at? I'm smiling at just thinking of like all the work that they did for that. And it's just like this amazing work with all this water. And again, realizing that they couldn't even do water in Toy Story. Yeah. And like all this stuff and action and just adventure. Yeah. And just like, wow, that's exciting. And then you just like... I, and then you look at like the idea of like him as Tom Holland in the backseat of the car with Michael Keaton turning around and just having a conversation with him and like, yeah. what's more tense? What's more interesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's yeah. the much, much better scene? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. did go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, yeah, but so those sequences are entirely animated. And so there's, you know, so I just feel like movies are missing a step from what animated films do, which I think that they think of, they're still thinking about movies as traditional films that we write them as a script yeah. with blah, blah, blah writing and stuff like that. And then we do, then when they get to the, they get to the action sequences, they just kind of do like a very loose description of the scene. But that isn't handed over to storyboard artists to work on. That is handed over to CGI artists to work on. Mm-hmm. And CGI artists just pull out the same old bag of tricks that they always have, the, the beam to the sky, the particular look of and way a car. Beam to, beam to the sky is, is, is the script thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's. Maybe. Well. Or it's a budget thing. It could and be, like the it CGI could be, people not, go, listen, we it, can do this That's for determined you. by the time it goes to the animators. Sure, the animators sure. are going, hey, how about a beam to the sky? Like, yeah, they're yeah. not going to be throwing that sure, in sure. there. Yeah. But when they're given, like, a fight sequence. Yes, that I would say. Then they're just like, well, same old, same old. We already have this stuff. We already have these cars. We have these objects. We have these moves that are already animated. So we can just go to these. Here's what I think the problem is with, with CGI fights. And I was thinking about it. Because, like, why are they so fucking dull? Um, and I think it's this. It's like back in the oldie days. Uh, you had uh, musicals. Musicals were fine. You saw the dancers and they were yeah. all fine. Yeah. But then Gene Kelly came along and went like, I know what I, he knew how to dance and he knew where to put the camera and there sure. you go. Sure. And then as things progress and you have like fights in movies. You're leaving out Fred Astaire, but okay. Okay. Fred, yeah. I'm leaving out a lot of people. Because, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> you, you know, it's only a two hour podcast. Uh, and, then, and then when it comes to fight sequences, yeah. you have people like Bruce Lee or, or anyone, you know, yeah. or like the fight choreographers who know what they're doing fighting for real. Now sure. we're going to incorporate the real fights into the movie. So, yeah. you know, the real and now how to shoot it for the movie. And then we're putting the real plus how to shoot it in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with CGI, it's all complete make em ups and no one's ever like fought in the sky before with yeah. another superhero. So we're just like, 
like pulling, well, pulling yeah. us out of our ass. So there's no but, realistic grounding that you could then build on and then make the actual thing. So it's all, it just looks loosey-goosey nonsense. I know. But if you took the time to storyboard it, to storyboard the fight and discuss it with an editor and have people there who can work through it, like work through it in terms of like, think of it in terms of a sequence, like a slapstick sequence yeah. or, you know, or a, a fight choreography sequence. So you have a fight choreographer there. And so they can work out the actions on the ground that will be happening in the sky. Mm-hmm. Because it's not that much different. Because for them, the sky is the ground. You know, they're still kicking each other and fighting and punching and stuff in the sky. There's just more range to what they're doing. But it's still... Yeah. And it and can at, still be worked out. Look at it this way. Look at the Matrix. The Matrix is all rehearsed. Yeah. The Matrix, yes. When, when, uh, when Neo is fighting Smith. Yeah. And like, whoa, here we go. Now Neo is fighting a hundred Smiths. Yeah. And when it starts, yes. Yeah. Now we're seeing him fighting a group of guys and it looks like realistic. But the more guys that come on and the more rubbery it becomes and the more yeah. unrealistic it becomes, the more distance we go and like, who's yeah. the shit now? Sure, sure. And, 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 and then that all builds to like almost every other movie now is, you know, Avengers 2 where all these people are fighting, uh, you know, a billion Ultrons. Well, like, yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. You can't feel it. Uh, yeah, Attack yeah. of the Clones. I know. Droids versus robots or droids versus, you know, uh, clones. Who cares? Yeah. What, what, what's it about? Yeah. It's nothing. There's what's, no ground. Where's your emotional con- connection? That's right. What am but I here's doing? the fourth thing you Not need. Not even just emotional connection. Physical connection. Sure. I don't know what it's like to fight a hundred guys. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that doesn't look I didn't even real to like me. Fight. No one knows what that's like. No one's had to do it. So it's all just looks fake because it doesn't have any grounding in reality. And now we're in, but, in but crazy I land. Think, but also, I think that they're not giving it a grounding in reality because they're just doing what you're saying. They're like, well, no one knows what it's like. So we'll just throw a bunch of stuff together and, and it'll be great. We'll just do a bunch of outlandish things and it'll be cool. Yeah. Like we just want cool. That's what they want. Cool factor, right? But the other thing that they need to have is they need to bring in like a fight cameraman because there are cameramen in Hollywood, whose job it is to shoot fight sequences, and that is all that they do. And so there are experts at where to put a camera in a yeah. fight sequence. Once again, I like to watch YouTube videos of this stuff, and I was watching a, an interview with a cameraman whose job it was to film the taxi cab fight in the second Kingsman movie. I don't particularly like okay. that movie, but it's a good sequence, a fight sequence. Sure. in the, And he's showing you like how you film and the things that he put into the sequence himself, like the rolling camera and stuff like that. So there's a sequence where the characters are fighting and they're turning... 360 degrees as they're fighting and the camera turns with them. So he did that. That was his decision to do that as a cameraman because he knows what makes it look good. And he's also talking about how you keep this characters centered in the frame. And so their punches are centered as well. And so all these things are very important. And, you know, I just wonder if all the people who are working in animation, you know, particularly in CGI, understand these sort of rules that are have practical purposes when people are shooting these sequences in reality. Well, if they're not using them in 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 a non-reality, it doesn't give you a sense of of the of actual impact of you know of things that we see in a fight sequence. You know that's that actually work. And also, they're not taking the time to. And I understand because these movies are done very quickly, and these movies are done under really high pressure. So there, and that's why there's so many different or so many different like companies are working on the CGI at the same time. So a lot of it is disconnected because the comp the there's a uh, deadline to the film getting done yeah. so it can come out for theaters in Christmas or at the beginning of summer or whatever. And so there's not the time. Like, like you watch the fight sequence in the uh, kitchen in Raid 2. Okay. One of my favorite yeah, action films. Yeah. That took like two weeks to shoot that sequence. Mm. 
like they take their time to film that sequence so that everything can be done really well. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas these, unfortunately for these CGI people, and it's not their fault, it's just a reality. They get handed these things like the Black Panther fight in the Black Panther movie. Those guys had like two weeks. Two stretched Armstrong dolls just being slapped against each other. But to be fair to the CGI people, they had two weeks to do that sequence which is more than like which sounds like a a lot of time but it's not because they're having to create they're having to animate all this fight sequence in a movie and you're like remember when you guys were like shirtless in the water pounding each other that was way better why do i care about you with a freaking uh cat heads on Mm -hmm. what's this about no no one cares yeah there's a lot of riding your rhinos knock that off there's a lot of factors but i just feel like that like that the action sequences are kind of thrown like (laughs) sloughed off because they're just kind of like, well, is this an action sequence? No one cares about two guys punching each other. By the way, I'm oh. now thinking like in, in Avengers Endgame or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know what? I might want to use those rhinos. Do you just keeping them <laughs> off to the side? Yeah, why did they attack? I guess Thanos. they'd be killing the rhinos and you feel bad for the rhinos. Yeah. But like, you know, you guys got rhinos. Sure. What, what are you What are you waiting it's, for? It's, is it the rhinos day what? off? What, is, what does George Lucas say? It's good because it rhymes. Thanos versus Rhinos. Oh, I like it. It's already it's already written. Itself. But you might say like, "Hey, kill Thanos!" And they're like, "All yeah. right, I'm killing the Rhinos." No, and yeah. then you feel bad about it. It's good because it rhymes. The um, let me just throw it up since we're talking about Avengers Endgame real quick. Uh, we weren't, but okay. I was just then. I think if you play the tape back, I wasn't see talking that you about were it. going like. Uh, <laughs> I think you were still listing uh, great um, Halloween songs. Um, I got Pia. Uh, we we get the Marvel Next Halloweenian. I get the Marvel art books. Okay, and uh, they have scenes sometimes that they didn't have in the movie. And there's yeah. uh, there's two things that were very cool that were in Avengers um, Infinity War, yeah. or, and then Avengers Endgame that uh, they did not have. And I'm going to tell them to you now. Okay, spoilers. Uh, not not really at These all because they're not everyone. going to uh, happen, and they never did, and they never what, will. What if they read the book? One of which is when Doctor Strange is imprisoned on the ship. And uh, and Tony Stark is at a distance watching him, and he sees that he's being held by you know the guy who's got like all the little pointy things yeah, aimed yeah. at him. Yeah. Uh, what Tony Stark does is he sends his, his armor, his nano nano armor, nano armor. He sends it yeah. to protect Strange. Okay. So Strange gets covered in the armor, but the second that the armor touches the eye of uh, Agamotto, uh, it the armor changes and becomes magic armor. Oh. And so now he's kind of like a magic Doctor Strange. Wow. But now Strange is vulnerable. Yeah. So the cape goes, I got to take care of this guy. Goes up and like wraps around Strange. Oh, and Stark, now, you mean. Stark. Oh, Stark. Yeah. And now Stark is like flying around with the cape. And they basically swapped roles oh. for, uh, but but don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and messing around a bit. Oh. So that's not like a fun scene. That does sound like a fun sequence. Uh, another scene that they had that they didn't do. Yeah. Um, Hulk uh, in the uh, in the original uh, go of uh, Infinity War yeah. uh, actually does come back at the end of the movie. Uh, Who him comes and, back, sorry? Him and uh, Hulk. Okay. Hulk and Banner have a talk in the Hulkbuster armor and come to an agreement. Ah. And then Hulk busts out of the Hulkbuster armor. And so the Hulk that you see in the in the movie uh, Endgame, yeah. where it's the combo of the two of them, yeah. actually that happens at the end of it's supposed in, to happen at the end of Infinity, Infinity Wars. War. Okay, uh, but they went. Nah, we'll save it for later. But they didn't. They just they, kind of introduced it without any explanation. Like, yeah, we're, we're over with that. Ugh. And the other the other scene, which was just a just a really cool visual that they didn't end up doing, was uh, it's in the final battle. Yeah, and you see Spider Man. And Spider-Man's getting ready to attack. And then you pull back and you see that Spider-Man is actually in the hand of the Hulk, who's about to throw him. What? How is the Hulk so big? 
Uh, well, the Hulk's got kind of a big mitt, so he's just standing. He's standing oh, he's standing on his. But it's not like on, he's not like Ant Man. No, hand. no, he's, he's just, just standing on his hand. Okay, and he's like going to catapult. He's going to like throw him. Yeah, uh, and then you pull back even more and see that the Hulk is standing on Giant Man's hand, and oh. Giant Man's going to throw the Hulk. Yeah, and then the Hulk is going to throw Spider Man. I guess they realized the physics was not so good, and then they didn't, uh, didn't end up doing it. <laughs> But yeah, it was like, oh, those are three. Fun it's a fun movies. idea, but it's fun, fun scenes. It'd be better if they didn't. It didn't work. Yeah, and it's uh, if you pick up the art book, you can look in there and see what they were. Uh, well, there you go, everyone. There's a there's a little. Uh, yeah, a little, you like uh, art, right, Dave? Bl- I like art. There you go. If comic books are art, I like art. Speaking of, uh, yeah. sorry, uh, do, do you have more to say on the uh, subject? I of- don't have any. I mean, I think I I said my piece. I th- said my piece, which is I think that they need to do better. All right. Uh, in the world of, like, you know, we live in Vancouver, or I live in Vancouver. You live uh, close to Vancouver. I live, I live in Vancouver. Uh, where I live, yep. uh, for many months, they were shooting something here called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, great. Where they combined all of the, uh, what they call the I know this because I know industry people who are working on, on this show. Oh, okay. Well, the, uh, the Arrowverse characters, like your Green Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, all those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Batwoman, and so on. Uh, Superman couldn't find his makeup. Whereas, you, whereas where you live, yep. uh, they've got the Bates. They had the Bates Motel. Yep, you you're guys, in you horror get superheroes. Town. We get uh, we get. I don't know. If, is it horror that show? Was that show horror? Bates or? Motel. Yeah, was it horror? Well, he's going to grow up to be like stabbing. Because Psycho isn't a horror movie, is isn't it? it? Is it a horror movie? I would say so. Oh, what do you consider a horror movie to be? Like a movie with. I guess it has a monster of a sort in it. It's more like a, I don't know. It's more like a. It's a slasher. I guess it does does some slashing. Does do some killing. It's probably the most famous slashing that there is. Yeah, I guess maybe it's a horror movie. People are horrified to be slashed. People people do find that movie scary. You're right. You have a nice scene where someone gets turned around in a chair and there's a skeleton in it. That's pretty horrible. Spoilers. Well, I'm just saying there's a skeleton in a chair. <laughs> I don't see where the skeleton is. What's going on? Yeah. There's a lot of chairs in the movie. Um, someone tries embezzling. That's scary if you're an investor. It is scary if you brought your money to your to a to a. Whatever they were, like an insurance company or something. Yeah, you wanted them to do it's forty thousand dollars for safekeeping. Yeah, and then you see the lady gets killed because she did embezzling, and you go like, "Good." You know, as a stockholder, I feel that is a good. System. She didn't get killed for embezzling, but okay. She didn't. No. Well, or did she? She no, she didn't. But but did she? She did not get oh, killed for embezzling. No, she did not get. How killed do you for know embezzling? that? Like uh, Slashy wasn't like an investor. And like all upset about this, and he like, no. went, hey, look at this money! Oh, well, that's wrong. Slash, slash, slash. He didn't see the money, did he? I don't know. How do you know what happened? Well, uh, you know, things were going. No, because he sinks the money in the car because it's in the trunk. He doesn't know it's there. Ah, uh, but he doesn't care about the money. <laughs> he just cares about the justice. <laughs> oh my gosh! Speaking of justice, yes. So just, just us. Um, I've been enjoying it. Three episodes have come out. Okay. Uh, and two more will come out like in January. All right. Um, that's a long time to wait. Yeah. That's kind of silly. And there's, there is a lot that connects it with Endgame. There's a lot of... Endgame? Yeah. Uh, I thought there were like different universes. Infin- Infinity War. Well, I'm saying connects it as in they have people dissolve. They have like a villain who's like okay. killing mass amounts of people. Okay, okay. It's at a big cosmic scale. Sure. That's what I mean. Not sure. as in the worlds are connected. Can you tell me who the villain is or would that be spoiling things? I can tell you who the villain is. Yeah, sure. By the way, I'm going to tell you some stuff about this. Uh, it's the uh, anti-monitor is the villain. Oh. Um, he's against snakes or against lizards. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely it. Yeah. But the idea behind this is basically every television show and probably movie yeah. that has ever existed that's in the DC world uh, happened and is a parallel Earth. 
So it starts off with the very first world that they destroy is the Batman Earth from um, Tim Burton's Batman. Okay. Yeah. You know, so they, uh, I forget the name of the fella uh, who was uh, Arliss, uh, but uh, Robert, is it Robert Wool? Is that the guy's name? Sure. Okay. The, yeah. So he's there and he notices the red skies and he's hoping, and he's holding a newspaper saying, you know, Batman defeats the Joker. And uh, and he looks up and he's just like, oh, I hope uh, the big guy's looking at, oh, oh, and then he gets killed. So that's the end of him. <laughs> Uh, and also, um, Robin from uh, Batman from the 60s. Burt Ward. Burt Ward is walking his dogs. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, holy crimson skies of death. And he's, he's dead. So, huh. but it feels like what they're doing with this series yeah. is looking at the movies and looking at some of the comics and they're fixing some of the dark. So okay. They have a they have a definite scene between Batwoman and Supergirl where Batwoman has some kryptonite yeah. and they're having an argument and it's like you can't do this and it's like I'm going to do this and you can't stop me oh I'll stop you and it's like you know well then you'll have to do that and then it's like well I'm not going to do that okay <laughs> and they discuss it and they're like okay they're sensible and then Batwoman's like you know what I have this kryptonite you should have it and it's like. What do you got kryptonite for? It's like, I just was worried about you and I feel bad having it and you should have it. Like, you know what? You should keep it in case I do go crazy. All right, I will. (laughs) It's just, it's like, it's a show where everyone's just fucking sensible. Yeah. They have a good thing with, uh, with the guy who was the voice of Batman in the animated series. And you see, you see him. Phil Frickin. Kevin Conroy. So close. And Kevin Conroy. Did you notice that both the initials, uh, I did. We're the same, like, so there's a half cases. point for you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the idea behind I'll take what is, I can get. I'm just gonna take my jacket off while you're talking. You just continue just talking. I'll still listening. This is a this is a uh, an older Batman who's like wearing like an exoskeleton, as in Batman in uh, in the Kingdom Come, or like a Batman Dark Knight Batman kind of guy. Yeah. And so like uh, he's he's in the future, and they meet up with him, and they're uh, they're trying. I, I won't tell you exactly what happens with the I don't characters. Know if, like, he's falling on the floor. Came through there, but, they, but uh, they notice that he's got these trophies, and the trophies are like the a bloody Joker card, and they've got like a Riddler staff, and it's okay. like, oh, and he realized Batman killed these villains. This is a Batman that just like had enough and just killed the villains. And then you see a pair of glasses, and it's uh, shattered glasses, and it's Clark Kent's glasses, and he killed Superman as well. Huh. So this is basically Batman. If Ben Affleck's Batman had not been stopped yeah. and killed Batman, where would he go? And yeah, he just like became corrupt and became like a big piece of shit. Huh. It's like this a big and he's in a big mansion all by himself. Yeah. Like he's got like one person. He's a sore knee. He's got more than a sore knee. But it was like, oh, okay. And this is why Batman doesn't kill. Because if he kills, he becomes this guy, and yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah. Then they go over and uh and and Brandon Routh is playing his version of Superman oh, cool. from he's, Superman Returns. It's very good. Very good imitation of, of uh yeah. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Like and his Superman is good, but his Clark Kent is so good. Yeah. When you see him doing Clark Kent, he's so good. So the characters go and they meet up with him, and he's dressed as Kingdom Come Superman, and the idea behind Kingdom Come Superman it's also a little bit like the Injustice Superman, which is a video game, which is Joker kills Lois, Superman goes, I'm going to kill Joker, kills the Joker, and then becomes like a dictator, becomes becomes evil. Okay. So they go to they go to see they go to see um, Clark Kent say everything that's going wrong with the world, and then they notice on the wall there's like plaques for Jimmy Olsen and Perry White and Lois Lane, 
And he goes, uh, yeah, the Joker wasn't getting enough attention in Gotham, so came here and gassed the building and uh, basically killed everybody. And there's like a headline from the paper there. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then you learn like, but he didn't kill the Joker because that's wrong. And yeah. he's still Superman. Yeah. It's like, of course I'm not going to do that. And they go, well, what's, there's like uh, black spots on his, uh, on his ass. And it's like, well, what's that about? Well, because it's in the darkness, that's when you need the light the most. Huh. So, you know, there, it's like a thing of mourning, but you know, I'm still, he's still Superman. It's like, wow. yeah, that's how you do it. Wow. And, and it's just so like. Are these like their own, are they, are they like kind of going in between like the Flash has part of this and then the, those t- the time traveler guys? Yeah, they're show. not. Yeah, legends are are in this, but they're just merging them all for all these storylines. So, are with they a little bit more of a focus on whoever's character? Sorry, so are they running it as? Is it called Crisis on Infinite Earth? Yeah, uh, they're they're showing them in their actual TV series. So the first one was Supergirl, episode okay. of Supergirl. Okay, but it was Crisis on Infinite Earths one. Second one was Batwoman, Crisis on Infinite Earths two. Okay, and then it was Flash, Crisis on Infinite Earths three. Oh, neat. Yeah, they also oh. did a fun thing with. When uh, did these come out? Just like recently? This week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll check them out just to see what these are like. Yeah, they're also on... They'll be on... Uh, they're all online as yeah, well. Yeah, they'll be on this... You know, they'll be on those... What do they call them? On demand. Yeah, and they had fun with uh, Constantine. They've had all mm. these little ca- cameos from yeah. other yeah. TV series, and they seem to be having a, a good go. Sure. Did yeah. Mr. Dressup show up? Yeah, Mr. Dressup showed up. That's good. right. He had a fight with uh, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> nice. And it was Battle for Butternut Square. Battle for Butternut Square. Because that's the show they used to both be on. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice reference. I'm wondering in the... Mr. Rogers movie, which I have not seen. I have not seen it either. Um, if you should. do, if you do see an Ernie Combs or not mm. from from back, when I doubt it. Together. But it would be nice if they did. Yeah, It'd be nice for Canadians to be like, yes. And those of you who are not from Canada, he was a children's entertainer when we were kids. Mr. Dress Up. Yeah, he had a tickle trunk. He would dress up. There'd be some music. Uh, his, uh, his puppets were Casey and Finnegan. Casey's mouth didn't move, but he talked. Finnegan's mouth moved, but did not talk. Part of the comedy of that show. And they lived in a treehouse. Casey and Finnegan did. Lived Mr. Mr. Dressup lived in a proper house like a gentleman. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he's also a really good artist. Yeah, he would do a lot of drawing. That's true on the show. I always like that. And whenever they had music on the show, I would be bored to the point of pain. You do not like music that much. I did not as a kid like mm. music. Or mm. like, hey, a musician's here. And bring out a guitar. And I'd go, ow, my stomach. <laughs> and same thing with uh, the mime who was on the show. Poco the mime. It'd be like, oh. And I just like be rolling on the ground in pain. I don't remember that, but I, I as a kid, I loved mimes. I think because I'm I liked uh, I liked Shields and Yarnell, but that was mm. I've always admired like shots. for me, it's about I just I admire um, like body control like that. That's why I like Buster Keaton. That's why I like modern dance so much because so much about this incredible body control. It's pretty amazing. Did you Have you seen do, that? Oh, sorry. I was going to go. Do you ever try and do the Shields and Yarnell robot? I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. I could. I. I tried. I was very to, good at it. I tried to do it, and my parents would always say I'm no good at. It. Really, they're liars. Yeah, yeah, my sister. My sister was very good at it, and mm. so like she's good at it. You can't do it. I'm like, well, fuck that's, you all. That's not very nice. No, it's not very nice. The end. Uh, um, there's a very interesting video of this man who is a well, he dances ballet as part, part of his discipline, but he also does a kind of a, a hip hop dance, and there's a. Um, a video of him dancing these sort of dances inspired by paintings in a modern art gallery in Chicago. Oh. And it's really fascinating. The last dance is so wonderfully beautiful. I'll try and find it and I'll post it on, on the uh, I'll post it on the, the show page. That would be lovely. Could I say uh, apologies to Louise Moon last week? We did not uh, mention 
uh, her doing a wonderful poster for the Computer War Tennis Shoes. But Nina. I did feature it on the, on the, it the is, show notes. It is on our webpage. That's yeah. true from last week. Um, but she had an amazing uh, poster based on uh, Nina Matsumoto's insane ramblings uh, <laughs> describing <laughs> the plot good. of the Computer War Tennis Shoes. Yes. By the way, we're still open to listen to that episode, listen to Nina's plots, draw a poster up. Yeah. Uh, we will, uh, we will no, appreciate no it. There's no time limit on any topics that we discuss in these shows. Everyone. Absolutely. Uh, last week, is it okay to go to some letters? Or do you have more nope. to say? Okay. Last week we asked... Uh, no, I meant no. It's, I'm not okay with us going to letters. Oh, that was too confusing, so forget <laughs> it. Uh, we asked, like, what, what, uh, what's a way you think you make a world a better place? And what's more important, mm. ethics or morals? Uh, we also had a little comment there from... Uh, They're Nina, both important. That's from, the answer. From Nina yelling uh, uh, at the podcast, No, David, you're wrong in record time. As Dave was wrong, I guess, in record time. Mm-hmm. Unlike this episode where she's yelling probably, just going, What Halloween songs? <laughs> there are Halloween songs. Next Halloween, I'm going to bring some songs in. There we are. I swear. Um, you guys will learn. That's right. Learn your lesson. So Louise writes, uh, While ethics are important, I think morals come first. Ethics are the carton of eggs you end up with after your moral chicken. She knows that you're a chicken person, and so this is why she's yeah, like, it's really this is this is just this really is just like catering analogy. right yeah, to you. Just, she won uh, me over. Ethics are the carton of eggs you end up with after your moral chicken has been laying around for a while. Mm-hmm. Ethics are externally imposed sets of rules that relate to a profession or an institution. For example, as a writer, I feel it would be unethical of me to publish someone else's writing without their permission. It wouldn't necessarily be immoral as the idea of copyright is an artificial legal construct. In fact, I might feel the morally superior thing to do is to share that writing uh, to help make the world a better place. But... If I claimed the writing as my own or tried to profit from it, that would be immoral, as my personal belief system tells me it's wrong to be a liar or a thief. Now on to more important things, the TV show Family. I watched Family when I was a teen. Uh, it was pretty angsty. It sure was. And made Chrissy McNichol a huge uh, teen star in the 1970s, the way my so-called life made Claire Danes a star in the 90s. A good movie of McNichols is Little Darlings from 1980. That is a good movie. Co-starring, I haven't seen it, but I really wanted to see it back then. (laughs) Co-starring Tatum O'Neill as two girls at an upscale summer camp who make a bet to see who can lose their virginity first. Although the setup makes it sound like a dumb team sex comedy, the movie actually turns into a serious look uh, about self-esteem and sexuality. And this was before you had like the PG... 13 movies where you could have a little bit more rawity rawity rawr so they had to play it you know pretty close to the vest i suppose but uh well, i've heard good things did you see it little little uh yes i have i've seen it didn't see it that yeah time, i I, I only read the mad magazine parody uh, um what was it called little blecklings i don't know what it was called that's a good question um edward dragansky uh writes this twice oh by the way yes thanks for writing louise yeah, thanks, Louise. Did I uh, let me just say, say though, that oh, please do. the um, thing about morals, like saying morals is more important than ethics. To me, actually, I think there are two sides of the of a coin because you know you could have like a you could have like a, a like a carefully crafted moral idea in your mind, but it's insane. You know what I mean? Like you could twist anything into being in, into it being morals. Okay, I think you know? some religions have done that. Yeah. Sure, and then that, the, their ethics are their rules. So, ah, oh. hmm. but I. Okay, well, let's, Wait a let's, second. Are the Ten Commandments morals or ethics? Well, I guess they'd be ethics because they're they're an ethical system of of behavior. Okay, but so yeah, so there there's a good example of where ethics. But you could have a you could have a church that w- could act immorally, or you could have a religion that acts immorally. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, but the thing is, is that what draws them back from being immoral, 
you know, is their ethics. You know, like Christianity isn't, if Christianity is acting immorally, it's not another religion that makes them go, oh, wait a second, we're being, bad, we're being wrong. It's their own ethical system. If they're, if they're having well, crusades. Well, it might be, no, it'd be another ethical system. It would be a system in place of like, you know, the American system of laws and what have you that would say like, hey, knock that off. No. Yes. Absolutely. No, like I've been talking in the past, though, not oh, not now, past. like not All modern right. times. All right. I'm talking in the you past. Clarify like when, that it was the past sure. we were in. So, like, say they had we'll when they had the, the Crusades. Yeah. When people were criticizing the Crusades, they weren't criticizing them from outside of outside of the philosophical, uh, you know, or theological ideas of Christianity. They're arguing from Christianity. They're saying, "Well, thou shalt not kill." We've Probably already some agreed to these that things. People were being killed in the Crusades were arguing against it. Sure, while they were they're being also killed. yeah. I mean, it's pretty complicated, but the uh, but I'm just saying, like. So your argument is from within your own system of thought, right? So you can have immoral things that happen, but your ethical system is the thing that you're criticizing it by. It feels like they both could be gatekeepers for the other. When you're saying they're uh, they're they're you know sides the same coin, it's like you mm-hmm. know your morals yeah. should be able to keep your ethics in check, and your ethics should be able to keep your morals in exactly, check. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. both have flaws. That's what to I say. Them. There's there's same side. There's side, different sides of the same coin. I guess okay, but the, what I'm saying is not all right. You're saying they're both sides of the same coin as they're both equal. That's what both sides of the same coin means. They're, yeah. ne- they're necessary for each they're both, other. Yeah, they're both, they both reflect each other and fl- reflect okay, on each other. Okay, they both keep each, other in, keep each other in line. All right, so uh, <laughs> Edward... I don't know if they do that very well, but okay. But that's what they could do. I mean... Yes, in the, in the, in the ideal world that we don't live in, yes. That's what they, well, yes. There's no perfect morals. There's no perfect ethics. Yeah. Because we are humans. Uh, Edward Drugansky writes, One of the ways I try to help others is by letting them know they've done something right. It's important to let uh, anyone know they've made your day better or easier. Giving good reviews and face-to-face communication if possible can make so much difference to anyone. So many seem to be offended these days and will make the time to blame and or scold someone publicly, whether it's a person or online, in person or online, but a few kind words, when deserved, can go so much farther. Or is it father further? Is it further father? <laughs> further father. Father further. Mark's brother reference. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got to go back and listen to that podcast. I think I'm all stocked up on morals and ethics for the year, but I did find a killer Black Friday sale on Scruples. Oh, that is a pretty good game. Oh, Enjoy Scruples. It. Scruples, yeah. Okay. Um, and then we're moving on. Anything on that? Um, no, but I think he's right. I think uh, compliments are. But I noticed he did not end the uh, letter to us with a compliment. Well, he's writing more now. So oh, okay. Let's, let's see where this goes. Whereas I do think it is important if someone does lighten your load or make things better to, you know. Acknowledge um, that, yeah. it's good. Uh, it's a nice thing to bring that up with a little bit of a thank you or a nod or a little uh, thing. I try to, when someone's trying to make things better, try to at least encourage that or fan things and i'm sure there's people now will be going yeah what about when you came after me for this and like oh yeah i know i (laughs) thought that was making things better too but that's that's me uh edward dragansky uh again writes same edward dragansky by the way in case you're thinking there we got two edward Edward draganskis thank you for clarifying the entire definition of insanity conversation are we starting this again um the conversations uh struck a nerve for me the phrase was the basis of letting our entire creative department go from Dr. Pepper back in 2017. Here's how I picture that they're letting the staff go. Yeah. I'm going to be the head of Dr. Pepper. Sure. Um, hi, David. Yeah. Uh, you're not a pepper. I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> we were an in-house creative agency for Dr. Pepper, and it was uh, going on my 17th year with them. Wow. Uh, when we suspected there was another agency uh, preparing to take our place at Dr. Pepper, but at the same time integrate us into their team. 
When it happened, the exact opposite cost us all of our jobs, and we were all let go in a matter of two days. Wow. Uh, I remember asking this guy who we thought was going to hire us exactly what had happened, and he said, quote, One very important thing, unfortunately, to remember is that we have absolutely no obligation to hire anyone from the current staff as doing something different using the same resources and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. (laughs) End quote. So obviously, using our Department of Creatives going forward was insanity to him. And because of that notion, we were all fired. Uh. I would say, here's another, here's another uh, uh, saying, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. Um, karma took care of this bastard <laughs> years <laughs> later when during a merge with another big agency, it was announced during a company meeting that he had been sleeping with not one, but two executives from uh, the other agency. Uh. Oh, talk about double dipping. Uh, that's talk a, that's about, some interagency. Talk about morals uh, and ethics. Yeah. Yes. One was named Carol Morals and one was named Philip Ethics. Oh. This was ironic. That is ironic. Yeah. Uh, so sorry that you were let go from there. That guy was unscrupulous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a side mm-hmm. question of Edward. How do you guys feel about uh, knockoff Dr. Pepper drinks? How do you feel about a Mr. Pibb? Mr. Pibb. How do you feel about a Dr. Skipper? They call me Mr. Pibb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you very much uh, for your. Was there any uh, e- emails this this week, David? Was there anything like that? Anything coming on? Nothing. A nope. whole bunch of nothing. A whole bunch of. Nothing. All right. Let me check the. Uh, let me check the actual mailbox. But there is one from. There is a. There is a. Go back. Go back an episode. Go back an episode. I, I will go back an episode. Uh, oh, maybe it's more than an episode. I think back to four sixteen though. Four sixteen. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't know if we can go back this far. Let's try. <laughs> This is back when the Crusades were happening. All right. So, uh, all right. So, uh, what letter are we talking about here? I think uh, my about, I think uh, my wonderful wife wrote in about dental thingies. Oh, okay. No, I think that I think you've gone back too far. Oh, sorry. Again. Sorry. Yeah. What are you talking about? Jeez, Louise. I'm if you go to the side bar, I got it. here we are. Worst dental experience. Yeah. From uh, Lisa. Uh, worst dental experience. Well, in preparation for it, uh, first one was to knock one's front teeth out whilst trying to ride one's bicycle to one's friend's birthday party, which also includes missing the movie that they were going to see at the party. Better yet, knock one's teeth out so said teeth are broken diagonally. (laughs) B10. So the dentist says you're too young for caps and then have to walk around for the next two years with Dracula teeth. Then get half caps so it looks like you mainlined uh, tetracycline in your misspent youth. Uh, a few. Le- By the way, this is incredibly hard to read. A few years <laughs> later, go in and get root canals as your teeth are, unsurprisingly, dead. Shortly thereafter, have the dentist take this weird long piece of thin, flexible metal so that he can saw your Dracula teeth off forever after, be unable to experience finger-on-the-backbone-type vibrations without having a shiver run down your spine. Then... Get temporary half caps put on, only to break one off whilst eating a digestive cookie the day before your grade 12 grad ceremony. Those are soft cookies. Giving uh, you a look more akin to that of a homeless person than a grad. Finally! Get real caps put on. Elapsed time from start to finish, seven years. Yes. Wow. So I'm assuming at the very start of that, Lisa broke a mirror. (laughs) <laughs> it feels like that is a solid seven years of bad luck until it all gets, uh, yeah, gets sorted. Do you know why breaking a mirror gave you seven years of bad luck? Oh, I do, and now I've forgotten it. Go ahead. It's a very practical reason. Yes. 
because mirrors were very, very expensive. And so you wanted to have a deterrent. So you gave this incredible length of time that they would be okay. bad luck. Fair enough. Because they were really expensive. Really expensive. Like, they were a luxury item. I was thinking a separate thing, which okay. was why you can't see vampires in mirrors. Oh, no, nothing to do with that. Okay. Not, not which is sense. because there was silver. silver in them. But that was why they were expensive at the time as well. Because right. the, the product was, yeah. And if you had one of those magic mirror on the walls, whew, pricey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pricey. You know what? I would ask the magic mirror. Uh, where could I find another magic mirror? I wonder how what the quality of mirror. There must have been terrible mirrors at that time, because it wasn't until the Victorian era that they figured out how to make plate glass. Like before that time, glass was was you know like you would see like glass with like the the round circles in it. Okay, that's because that's the process they use would leave like a dimple in the glass, and so even like mirrors at that time would have had like w- would be very wavy. And then the, that silver, which wasn't really, it could, be, it could be polished, but it wasn't as shiny as the materials they use now. And no way were they nearly as good. So there we go. We're living in a uh, luxurious period of uh, mirrors. Mm-hmm. So uh, consider yourself lucky. Yep. Um, Dave. But also victims of vampires. Yeah, true. Uh, we should wrap up pretty soon because we're uh, going to go grab a little nosh with. Yes, uh, let's do that. With uh, friends. Well, let me wrap it up then. Uh, but before you do that, I'm gonna we, wrap need, it up, we need questions of the week. Woof. So let, oh, me, let me ask you this. Uh, has there been a film series that has been improved over time by technology? Oh. You go like, well, that's much more enjoyable now than hmm. it was back in back in the day. I will give you an example of one that I would think, okay. even though it's tough to incorporate. And just like uh, I'd say, I'd say uh, the the Spider Man movies are better now because of the technology is better, even better with the animated one. Holy cow! Uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which I thought was a very effective movie, which had a mix of simple styles and complicated. Uh, in there, but it's much better than any. Uh, I'm looking at old Spider-Man animation on okay. like the television. Sure, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, much so better, much pretty, better than any of that. Pretty okay. hard to the, the movie's made for. So uh, any that... any film or we'll even go TV series then that's improved over time uh, by technology. And if you got a secondary question, wow, I, you know, okay, I'm just trying Besides to think in my mind. The best uh, Halloween uh, songs. I'm trying. <laughs> um, what is your um. I was think, trying to think of something to do with um, what is your favorite period of animation? Like the, the favorite? How about what is your favorite era of animation? Okay, yeah, that's not sense? necessarily that's the best, but it's like it's it's yeah, your so you, personal favorite. Yeah, yeah, you get like a little ah when you yeah, see this. Yeah, I love it. Okay, works okay. for me. All right, wrap it up, Dave. Okay, everyone. Well, this is very easy to wrap up because I'm just going to give you a lot of information. This is the information, the sneaky dragon information dump. Do you want to contact us? Here's how. You can go to our website at sneakydragon.com, find this show, and you can write to us in the comment section underneath it. And we love to hear from you. And if you answer the question of the week, you get read on the show, which is also kind of a little bit of fun for you, I would assume. And you can also go to our uh, Twitter profile, I guess that's what they call it, Twitter profile. Sure. Uh, Sneaky underscore dragon and write to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, Ian is also on Twitter, as am I, Ian, at Ian Boothby, at Dave Dedrick. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram, at Ian Boothby, at Dave Dedrick. I don't know, if they say at for Instagram? Yep. Oh, that's wow. correct. Copycats. And then uh, we are, have a Sneaky Dragon page on Facebook. And then, if you are a private person who wants to contact us on the down low, you can write to us via email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And that's all i got to say. But don't forget, we have some fabulous shows. we got a really nice email from uh, a listener. Of completely Beatles telling us how much she loved the show and how much it meant to her. And so don't forget, if you like those shows, to, they are still reviewable on iTunes. So if you love Completely Beatles or Totally Tintin 
or full marks or listening party or even this show itself take a little moment to tell people about it on on uh, the new whatever it is the podcast the apple podcasts yeah or on google podcasts any of those kind of places much appreciated yeah we'd love and you don't even have to and also you don't have to write a review you can just leave a, a star rating yeah we prefer five, but it's up to you. Whatever you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Six you is want to good go too. Six, that's yeah, fine. that's fine. And then that's it, I guess. Yeah, I just got a quick uh, email from a friend of mine on the topic of uh, Frozen. Okay. Uh, saying, uh, and it's my friend Dave McGowan who wrote, When I asked my uh, daughter what her favorite part of Frozen 2 was, she replied, Elsa's new dress. So something worked for five-year-olds okay. on that new dress. You know what? We can't see. We're old and are bl- practically blind. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay. Kids can pick up all these details that yeah. we can't see. Yeah. That's why we don't care about 4K and all this stuff and Ultra HD and things. I, th- I can see fine. You can't see anything. I can see absolutely fine. No, he's terrible eyesight. It's a fact. All right, everyone. We'll, uh, I'm going to help Ian find his way out of this room in a minute. So we'll see you uh, next week. Sneaky Dragon, please come back and say hello. Dracula was hosting a party and having a real good time. Oh, here comes that guy from Saw. You know, that guy from Saw. Jigsaw? Yeah, it's Jigsaw, yeah. Okay. (laughs) A dinner was served for three at Dracula's house by the sea. The orders were fine. But I choked on my wine when I learned that the main course was me. The waitress, a vampire named Perkins, was so very fond of small gherkins While she served the tea She ate 43 Which pickled her internal workings Go on the left with the pitchforks Igor, Igor What a swimmer is Dracula's daughter But her pool looks more red than an otter The blood stains the boat But it's easy to float Cause blood is much thicker than water There was batwing confetti and the veins of a mummy named Betty. I first frowned upon it, but with ketchup on it, it tasted very much like spaghetti. <laughs>